Mother what? Pro Bowl. I don't like that you made eye contact with me. It's the Pro Bowl preview edition. Of the Sims and Left Go podcast. I have literally printed out nearly a dozen pages, and I don't think the Pro Bowl is the only NFC. One of these pages. I'm the AFC. Three o'clock. Are they actually? Is that what time the game is? Sunday. Are they, are they picking teams this year? Or are they actually playing know. the NFC? I mean, it's I just such, looked it up. I, well, the, the, tomorrow night's the skills challenge, yes, right? I'm kind of into that. Well, we should talk that. about that. I don't yeah. even know no. what the challenges are. Let's preview the skills. What, challenge. what I'm really scared is I have to do. You know, that's you know the pro football talk show on Monday morning. Yeah. And I'm not going to watch the Pro Bowl. No, no, no. So I'm, I and I'm deliberately not going to watch it. Add it into the conversation. Yes. I'm going to be like, what? You watch it? You're stupid. I'm you not watching it. You should do for the Pro Bowl what you did for Roberto Aguayo when he was drafted. <laughs> grade K. I don't. I don't grade kickers. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't watch the Pro Bowl. I. I was just having this argument outside. I said, all we do is talk about how dumb the Pro Bowl is, and yet on Saturday night of the Hall of Fame, they're going to go inducted Randy Moss with 12 Pro Bowl appearances. We don't care about it. Until the end, when we all of a sudden care about Well, the Pro Bowl, at least like in some of those guys' early careers, had a little relevance. Like Now, you said that, you looked at me that day, you went, Derek Carr is in the Pro Bowl. And you right. went, this is a The joke. 21st rated quarterback in football yeah. is in the Pro Bowl. You'd like, rather I not make eye contact with you when well, I do the it mother was, It was kind of weird. It was, weird. It was like right, you were like intimately you're looking like, at Pro the Pro Bowl. <laughs> What's up? Mother what? Mother what what? <laughs> uh, it is our 100. And 50th episode of the podcast. It's probably more like, what do you think, 250? Probably something like that. Who knows? But 150 of the numbered podcast. motherfucking podcast. Sims, what 50s do you have? Oh, I have a guy named Telvin Smith, who's pretty awesome. Yes, Um, Jacksonville Jaguars. Mike Singletary. That is a legend. Hall of Famer. Uh, Seven-time All-Pro. Seven-time All-Pro. Let's see. Shazier's 50? Ryan Shazier is a 50. It's a good number. It is a good number. Huh. I know I'm, I know I'm going to miss a lot of obvious ones here, okay. but any other legends I'm missing? Uh, let me just go through the list, go shall ahead. we? Current guys, Brooks Reed, Blake Martinez, Andre Branch, two guys on IR this year, Albert McClellan and Jarrell Freeman. Hmm. Uh, two players that will be in the Super Bowl, linebacker for the Patriots, Nicholas Grigsby, linebacker Brian Brayman for the Eagles. Bigger names, Sean Lee. Justin Houston, Damn. KJ Wright, Damn. all fifties. There's a fifty on every team, right. but I'm going to be honest. If you need to make, if you want to make the list, you got to show out. Yeah, and those are the guys that showed out. Right. Other all timers. And don't worry about Rutgers, by the way. No, we're not. Quintero Frierson, linebacker, but go on. Hey, all timers. Quintero Frierson from Good that vaunted 2016. You know it. I mean, <laughs> the only team that's fun. All right, all timers. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, Baltimore Colts center during the 60s and 70s won two champ two uh, uh, championships. Bill Curry, and then another center, Dave Dalby, who was the center for the Raiders for about a decade and a half, three time Super Bowl champ. Mm-hmm. Larry Foot. Uh, was 50 for almost his whole career. A.J. Hawk was a 50. Uh, so some other ones that are going to be relevant to the Super Bowl. Gary Cobb, he's a broadcaster in Philadelphia. He was a linebacker for the Eagles in the 80s. Mark Simino. Remember Mark Simino? Sure. He wore 50 for one season, 2004, when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. Every other season he wore 53. Huh. He wore 50 that one year. Can we turn down the air conditioning in here? Seriously. 
we don't we, you know it doesn't work. I mean, what it's the fifty f- degrees? It's are you fucking kidding me? It's better Mike, than too hot. I need to go get my jacket. I'm like dead serious. You want me to get Mike it for you? Vrabel, I mean, I might need it. Okay. Yes, I'm listening. Mike Vrabel was fifty, yes. and he caught a touchdown in that Super Bowl against the Eagles. Sure, which is the worst when you're playing the Patriots and they do a play that leads to a linebacker catching a touchdown. You just feel dumb. Well, yeah, I know, but they, he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl the year before that too against the Carolina Panthers. Rob Ninkovich, yeah, was a fifty as well. Man, Vrabel and Ninkovich. They're like Two, the same Neanderthal. And then some randoms. Pisatina Isamoa. Right. Aaron Hand- Henderson. Uh, Curtis Lofton was a 50. Right. Derek Smith, the linebacker for the Niners for about a decade. Sure. And then two random Detroit linebackers who I loved. Chris Claiborne and Ernie Sims. Ernie Sims. Those were good ones. Other random 50s. Yeah. Sometimes when I go into the 50 well, I learn some stories and I want to share them with you. Right. Guy Morris was a center for the Eagles when they lost the Super Bowl in the 80, in 1980. Was Ralph Sansom, Samson 50? No. I don't know. I didn't do basketball players oh, this okay. week. Uh, and Guy Morris was on the Patriots when they lost to the Bears. So he lost the Super Bowl with both teams. Mm. Guy Morris was also the coach of Kentucky during the Bluegrass Miracle when he was doused with Gatorade by Jared Lorenzen and LSU had the Hail Mary. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I remember he that He was part. the coach of Kentucky during that time. Right. And the other guy is a guy by the name of Larry McGrew. He was a New England Patriots linebacker from 80 to 89. And you know what team he joined in 90? The New York Giants. I don't even remember him. He was on that team that won the Super Bowl that I went out and said is just like the 2017 Eagles. Right. You might not know, but you might know this. When Refrigerator Perry bounded into the end zone. Oh, that was him. The guy he ran over was Larry McGrew. Man, I, I always had a lot of respect for him when I watched that. Well, somebody didn't. Apparently, he was on the ground. A teammate came over, said, you okay? He said, yeah, I'm fine, but I just made ESPN highlights for eternity. Not only that, but a Colorado thief named Frederick William McGrew illegally adopted Larry's name and career statistics and got a job as an assistant football coach at Gavillion College at California. Pick up, p- p- play that touchdown. He was fired Murphy five weeks later and arrested. Super Bowl 20. He then also went on to get a job as a cook at TGI Fridays in Salt Lake City and still used the fake identity of Larry McGrew to get it done. And he would often tell customers at the restaurant, I was the player who the fridge ran over in Super Bowl 20. If you could pick any identity, you're going to pick the dude that got run over in the Super Bowl? Man, Larry, you've fallen far. Think about Super that. Bowls, and now you're working. Where was he working? TGI Fridays. Yeah, TGI Fridays. How big was? Do we know the fake Larry McGraw? McGraw how no. big he was? But apparently, he was a linebacker. Linebackers in the '80s weren't that big. Mike yeah. Singletary wasn't that. No, big. but he was one of the few. No, they were. I would say they were big. Oh, they were like too big. They, they were, were like it Brandon was like a Spikes. different game, right? It was now. Th- like I give this guy a lot of credit. Oh, he that just was got him. destroyed. That he would be in concussion protocol in this day and age. Okay, maybe for the year they might have been like, we got to evaluate 1986. If they show the replay from behind, I give the guy a lot of credit. He sticks his head in there. And actually tries to go face-to-face. And face gets to a face temple shot. If they show it again? Darn it. Baby Sims is getting his jacket from the one, the only, the wheels. The wheels. The originator. My buddy. The best buddy in the world. He's been Thanks, a, wheels. He's, been in, Thanks, he's wheels. the one that prints out your iTunes comments so that Shit. I can read them. He's the fucking man. Yeah, but yeah, let McGrew got destroyed, destroyed. by the fridge. Um, so the one thing we always do, Amendment number 2, Kyle Shanahan is our favorite coach in the NFL. Uh, here's what I want to ask about Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. 
against Bill Belichick. Right. He has scored 34, 27, 28. Last year, 344 total yards in the Super Bowl, right. went 3-for-3 three three in the red zone. What could the Eagles steal from Kyle Shanahan for the Super Bowl? That would be my question. Um, Any yeah. philosophy? No. I mean, you guys have a lot of the same common th- things that will scare them because your offensive line is going to put them in a bind in general. I mean, just with your scheme, the RPO, what you do there. I mean, that's where Kyle got his success last year is the run game, stressing New England. Then that led to some of the big plays in the past game. So, you know, it's not going to, it's not the exact same scheme, but in theory, it can be very similar to that. Right. Um, Your game against Minnesota was fascinating. We're going to get into it. Yeah. But Regardless, no, I think some of the same pressures that are going to be on New England. Yes. And you guys are the better team. I mean, that's 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 the better football team. Also, But that doesn't always mean you win the Super Bowl. Of course Bowl. not, because it's the fucking Patriots right. who Well, the their... better team rarely wins. I mean, you know, like I said, the, the Bills were better than the 1990 Giants. I mean, yeah. my dad would tell you, you put Parcells on the Bills, the Bills win by 30. I mean... Down 10 points or more in their last three playoff games against the Seahawks, Falcons, and Jaguars. Right. The Patriots have outscored those teams 47-3 to in the fourth quarter. And the one thing the Eagles don't do, which I'm super pumped about right now, is run that scheme. Mm-hmm. Jaguars, Falcons, Seahawks, yeah. cover three press bail, sure. don't got to run it. Right. You look like deep throat right now. Yes. Can, I just, can I nip something in the bud real quick before yeah. we go to Minneapolis? All We're week. not going to Minneapolis next. That's like literally not for 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, well, no, no. I'm saying next week before oh, yeah. we travel there. Oh, shit, yes. All week, is it going to be your Eagles, and then when you're talking, it's we and our team? Have I been saying we and our? Well, Chris I mean, is calling them your Eagles. Oh, Everything so I actually is, haven't done it. You haven't it. done it yet, but I feel like that's going to happen, too. I, Sim Are you said, a we? Sim said this to me as soon as the game ended. He said, embrace this. Yeah. Really go for it. Yeah. So much so that in about 10, 15 minutes, I have a rant. Right. Because I'm tired of Philadelphia fans being called the worst fans in the NFL. Oh. I, I, I am going to embrace it. Good. My dad's traveling out there. Right. I just found out my mom's traveling out there. Awesome. This is Bruce. a... This is... I also feel like I'm playing with house money. Right. I can't believe they're in this situation. But as I said before, and I genuinely mean this, to be truly unbiased, you should admit you're biased. Absolutely. I have been nothing but critical of the Eagles. I just did an interview with Comcast Sports at NBC Sports Philadelphia, and they brought up a tweet from last year when I said, Doug Peterson's not a good coach, and I tweeted it four times, and my answer was, I had a lot of tequila that night. (laughs) And they were like, oh, that's okay then. But I'm so critical of the Eagles. But at this point... They truly are, in my mind, America's team because they're, they're facing, playing the Patriots. Yeah, they're play, they're facing the Patriots. Yeah, everyone's rooting for them except for New England. I think it would be I would be doing an uh, an, an injustice. I don't know. If Minnesota, I pretended. Might, Minnesota might be rooting for New England now. The fans yeah, up there. <laughs> um, so, by the way, I thought we'd put this out there. Wait, a did you even read my Jaguars D notes yes. first? Because I know you had to do your Comcast. I thing. got them all. Okay. Just I'm, make I'm sure. a very efficient worker. <laughs> uh, by the way, I a little told you so. Uh, Diana Rossini from ESPN went around and talked to a lot of Patriots and said, what was the most powerful tool that you had to prepare for the Jaguars? Their response? Film of the joint practice. Yep. Almost in unison. Right. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm fucking pissed the Jags did it. I'm still mad the Jags oh. did it. I get why the Jags did it. This is why I haven't gone totally off the wheels with it. 
because there at least is some logic from their side. Their logic is you guys are three and thirteen. Let's go see the right. Super Bowl champs and how yes. hard they practice. And you'll realize this is why you're three and thirteen and they're winning Super Bowls because they come out every day and are like possessed in practice and we gonna just want to go out and go, Oh, we're cool and I'm Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack and we're just awesome. We'll yeah. show up on Sundays. So I get it from that standpoint. Because at the same point. At the same point. You don't go to dinner it. with the devil because you're probably going to owe more than the check. You never dance with the devil in the pale moonlight, a wise man once said. Who was that man? Uh, uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Was it? <laughs> yes. Did you know, you know the, the actor that played him? Do you know the actor that played that character in the sequel? Yeah. Who? I was, trying to, I was trying to D's not you, and it didn't fucking oh. work. That was really bad. <laughs> uh, that blew up on my face. You know what else blew up? Right. That video of the Eagles from 2017 and the Giants from 1990. I heard. And a lot of people um, are like, how did you figure those out? And I say, I'm watching the game with Phil Simms' son and Carson Wentz's ACL tears. And you knew it before they even announced he was hurt. And then midway through the game, you looked at me and went, this happened to my dad. We've been talking about this that, that's for what, damn near three months. I've had Bleacher Report come up to me today and just talk about this like this was new. And I'm like, well, I guess you haven't listened to the podcast for the last hey, seven put, weeks. I put together <laughs> some other notes that kind of No, you showed it. it. And the pictures, with them, they're awesome. Right. Yes. But it's really interesting. I mean, it got so big that Haley Joel Osmond liked my tweet. The guy that played the kid in Sixth Sense, yeah, I See yeah. Dead People. Right. I See Dead People. I like Adam Lefko's tweets. I see um, but I, what I've realized through this is um, the week next week is quote week. Right. Next week is Radio Row. People say things and it gets a lot of attention. Yep. So be prepared for that. This week is arbitrary stat week. And I forgot that last year I tweeted out Kyle Shanahan against Bill Belichick. He scored 34 and 27 with, with Matt Schaub and Rex Grossman. Right. And that tweet broke, broke up. So what happens is this week it goes back and forth. So you had my Eagles, 1990 New York Giants. Then you have the Patriots to 3-1 and one when wearing white jerseys in the Super Bowl, and they've won 12 of the last 13. And then you get from the Eagles. When when the Eagles beat the Vikings in the playoffs, they're 3-0 and oh in their next game. And then you get the, the, the Patriots. Teams that have won by 30 or more points in championship games are just 2-6 and six in the Super Bowl. Right. But then you go the other way. The league leader for passing yards has never won a Super Bowl, and that was Tom Brady. They're 0-51. They've never done it. Or Nick Saban and Bill Belichick have never won a title in the same season for the last decade oh it's this is the week where people go into the stat book and they find all these storylines and the fan bases are just looking for hope and i would tell you as someone who has been gambling all year trends are fucking bullshit they are but every time you bet, they go, you know, the Packers are 8-0-1 against the Vikings away after a 20-point win on the road when their head coach has diarrhea from eating too much Kung Pao. And they're like, well, what did he have for dinner? There's no, there, you can't compare this Eagles-Patriots game to 2004. No. The Eagles-1990 Giants you, thing was kind of a joke. And now people are like, I- I'm getting tweets. It could this really is happen. It. Well, this is the reason. It's amazing, the similarities. I mean, it is. It's coincidental, but it's still amazing. Here's what's amazing. You know. I own an outcome. Right. If Goskowski misses the field goal, right. you think you're the oracle. I might get a fucking key to the city. The mush has really grown up before right. us Holy this year. Shit. Like, could you imagine if they missed it? 
insane. Insane. Oh, the other thing. I know what outcome I'm rooting what for. What was the stat you said there about the the league leading in passing yards? The league yards? leader in passing yards has never won a Super Bowl. That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's a good stat there. Isn't it interesting? Oh, yeah, I mean, NFL Reddit is the greatest place ever. And I Kurt Warner cap. didn't lead the lead in passing yardage the year they won it. Lead the lead. Stand that's by, a, Ghost Rider. But that's um, uh, I I, just, I guess that's what amazing. about the white jerseys? Is there anything there? No, that's there's just nothing there. I mean, well, no, you stuff? can't even draw anything away from last year. I mean, let alone this year, or ten years ago, or twenty years ago, or five years ago. The Patriots are a different team than last year. It's not even the same guys. The defense is totally different. So. You know, yes, you can draw some correlations through scheme and things that happen, but as a whole... I just find it funny because it really is about hope. It's right. about each fan base wanting hope. Uh, each fan base also wants to make money, and from sportsbettingdime.com, I got sent some sp- Super Bowl odds. I am not interested in the most rushing yards and most receiving yards. I don't even care what color Pink's hair is, but I thought these four were interesting. MVP, the favorite is Brady, 6-5. to five. Foles is second at 15 to two Gronk is third at 19 to one Belichick's shirt one <laughs> to f- what is it Steve Berline led the league in passing that year wow yes. that's wild that's funny uh, Belichick's shirt one to five that he wears long sleeves five to one that he wears short sleeves but I go what is cut sleeves I think well that, I guess is that's that a short, short sleeves no but he's that's gonna five wear, to one the favorites long sleeves he's gonna wear long sleeves with a cut sleeve sweatshirt over the top of it exactly <laughs> Odds exactly. Well, no, but I mean, it's that to me. I would never bet on because there's too much gray area for interpretation. I can't get internet in here. Give it to me. I'll I'll work on. I mean, I just just I unbelievable. Gotcha. Stand by, Ghost Rider. Just, odds that Al Michaels Four tabs are open. Whoa. Odds that Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, or Michelle Tafoyal mispronounced Halapul Halaput. Wow, I've never messed it up. Halapuli Vitae. Halapuli Oh wow. Four to one. So I might take that bet now. (laughs) And then also it's 100 to 1 that Timberlake performs part of Dick in a Box during his halftime performance. I forgot we get to see JT, too. Yes. That'll be fun. Yes. I don't think he's going to be doing Dick in the Box. I mean, if he's... It's Dick in a Box. I can... It'll be the last time he does the Super Bowl. I can see him being like... And then like winking and then keep going. But 100 to 1 is pretty good odds. Uh all right, can I do random two minutes with you? I'm going to put the timer on. These are non-Super Bowl stories that I think are okay. I only want to take two minutes going over them. You get 20 seconds per topic. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Peter King says Mike Vrabel is sort of the defensive Sean McVay. Your response? Not ready to go there yet, but I get the overall he's theory young? of that. He's young. He's kind of a new up-and-comer that everybody sees you know, greatness in. Yes. And he can bring new ideas to the table. The Carolina Panthers are cleared of Cam Newton from the possible concussion. Would you like to gloat? Wait, no shit. I mean, the, the, he was on the ground and he grabbed his eyes immediately. But we're all doctors now. We all know everything. He went to his knees by the sideline. Has to be a concussion. Yes. Uh, Todd Haley, rumored to possibly be an OC for the Browns. What do you think about that? I like that a lot. I mean, I, I like Todd Haley's offense a whole lot better than Hugh Jackson's How offense. How do you work when you both want to call a place? Well, I, I mean, I guess Hugh will be able to say, hey, it's third and two. He'll be able to make the final call to say, run it, throw it, whatever it may be. But yeah. I think the most part, Haley's going to call the plays. The Cowboys have announced their new quarterbacks coach and its former quarterback, Kellen Moore. What yeah. do you think about having a 28-year-old quarterbacks coach? Um, it, it wouldn't be 
be my favorite thing in the world. I think if it was a head coach, especially when your quarterback's still very young himself, and they were in the room to together. A bit. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather have a guy there to to put the poker in his ass. Uh, the Giants have announced their new defensive coordinator, and it's James Betcher, former God. DC of the Cardinals. Thank God. Why are you they, well, they God. were talking about it being Jack Del Rio, and I just don't even understand that one. Tell so. people what Betcher will be like in New York. Betcher, I think, is going to be amazing here in New York. This defense has the the elements and players that will fit what he wants to do. They're super multiple. Yes, super multiple. Has the cover corners on the outside and to do some things. he plays safeties at linebacker and the Giants can't draft linebacker. It's perfect. They got it all. Last one. Mike McCarthy and Joe Philbin. Brace your fucking face. They're, quote, rebuilding the P- Packers offensive playbook. Wow. I'm actually, I didn't hear that part of it, but I'm actually shocked. Share I mean, your emotions. I mean, they need to rebuild it. I mean, I, but, but the, my big thing with those two is just, all right. I guess I got to see. That was your two minutes. I'm just kidding. No, seriously though. What uh, what like I'm stunned. When I saw that, I was like, wow. I can't believe they're finally going to do what we've been asking for. I I hope so. But I mean, they're both from Maybe. the same school of thought. So what are they going to rebuild? The same crap? I mean, I, I would have liked a guy from outside influences to come in and go, hey, like this scheme. You guys haven't done this in 12 years. Look at this one. Let's try to put this in the offense. Maybe they can figure that out and do it themselves. And I'm sure this will lead to a better offense and a little more creativity. Yeah. But. Again, when you're from the same school, you, you don't even know what you don't know, is what I'm basically Joe saying. Joe Philbin was asked what it's been like, and he said, honestly, it's been an emotional experience. Like, to, to come back and to all be together. I really hope that they can sit down and maybe they'll look at themselves and go, we have talent here. Well, and Let's his, do it right. his emotional thing, too, would I guess has to be, right? I mean, didn't his son lose his life up in Green Bay right, right. before he took the Miami Dolphins right. job, right? So right. there's probably a double whammy there. Uh, it is literally impossible for the Patriots to do anything without there being some shroud of secrecy and mystery. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to introduce fans that maybe haven't heard this story yet to a man known as Tape Throat. You've heard of Deep Throat. Tape Throat. Apparently, there was a conference for professional baseball athletic trainers in Glendale, Arizona last week, and there was one company that had a booth, a company called KT Tape. It's a black tape that's typically known for wrists. Well, apparently at this booth, a man came up with an assistant, and he said that he knew a New England Patriots player who needed tape to cover his thumb while also allowing to flex his hand. Right. When asked which the player's name was, he refused to answer. The man then cut a strip of the KT tape and tested it out on his thumb with the assistant taking photos. He continued to say, it's to cover an abrasion. We want to wrap it around the finger. I know it's not your typical application. The person at the booth asked for a card. The man would not share it with them. The mystery didn't end there. As the man left the booth... The man mysteriously said, you may have just saved the game for us. This company then got an order to One Patriot Way. It was sent, and the company looked up on the TV that I Sunday. it's One Patriot Place. Excuse me. Thank you. Get that. I was trying to save all of the packages. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday, they looked up, and they saw their tape on the hand of maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom right, Brady. Right. But tape throat. A mystery man that showed up and went, I'd like to try your tape. <laughs> I mean, what was, what, I mean, I don't know why are they hiding it to that degree? I guess, yeah, I don't know. I love it. I would love to know I who it is. I love it. Was it someone that like New England sent there or was it just Brady's guy? Is it Ernie? 
Uh, no, it would not be Ernie. Ernie was definitely locked in a room somewhere, like <laughs> studying the NFC opponents and figuring out the algorithm to beat them. Algorithm. algorithm. I just think it's fascinating that a random guy was at the Professional Baseball Athletic Traders Conference. Yes. I know. Like, so, who like, sent so them? So random. Who sent them? Did the Patriots make a call out there to they're go, just, hey, go check this they're out? They're just next level. That was next a story, level. Josh, that when I see it, I go, oh, this is amazing. I yeah. love this shit. Yeah. It's good. Man. Tape throat. Tape throat. Hey, he was amazing. And uh, I mean, I don't know why he would need that special of a tape for what he had, so but I'm sure it made him feel a little apparently comfortable. Apparently, this tape specializes in increasing certain fluids, and it's like it has all these things that it promises. Oh, gotcha. And increasing, like, I don't know. It, it apparently also lifts the skin right. so that it would keep it closed as well. Huh. But they were like, we've never thought about putting tape over stitches or cuts. We just wouldn't do it. Right. And the Patriots are like, this is the adhesive that we were looking for. Yeah, I mean, the adhesive. And then you could see that they, like, when you see the scar and you saw them applying that stuff to him during the game, they were putting glue on it, right, underneath the tape. That's what they do. They basically put glue over the stitches yes. to help that out. Uh, but, man, you can't tell it affected him much. Like no. I said, when I watched the game, and I just got done really watching the film. There was a few throws that the ball wobbled. For the most part, though, the ball went where Brady wanted it to go. Coming up, Sims is going to do a full film breakdown of Eagles, Vikings, Patriots, and Jaguars. Big Phil Sims fill in time is coming on. I'm excited to talk about that. I'm going to give my rant about why everybody needs to calm the F down about Philadelphia. But we're talking about Brady. And you came up to me after Monday's show and said, I really want to talk about Tom Brady's eras and how it hasn't always been 400-yard, three-touchdown Brady, but that's how we see him now. But he's gone through phases, and you wanted to break down the phases. Yeah, I want to break it down. I I mean, I think, first of all, this is the first thing that has to be known. All-time great quarterbacks, they all, to me, have one thing in common, like the all-time greats. They won Super Bowls early in their career, right? Whether it's Brady, Aikman, Montana won it in his third year. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Exactly right what that does Joe Flacco well he was a little older that was like know, was but, but 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 overall uh what what I want to say there is when you win the Super Bowl at an early age like that the pressure's off right you can just grow your game nobody's going oh can he win the big game anymore yeah. and it really allows you to grow your game because you now can take chances that you might not have taken if you hadn't won the Super Bowl and won the big game right. but you're hey shit I got a ring I'm gonna throw this in there on third and 12 whatever else and, and it you helps guys you guys like Peyton whose most of his career was defined by not winning right and then when he finally got it off and, his back and he was in big games going oh I don't want to be the reason everyone blames me right. again even though it wasn't really my fault those years before, but we're going to blame the quarterback. So, yes, you lose that freedom to overcome that where, you know, other great quarterbacks had those luxuries. Okay. So, basically, this is what I broke it into three phases, right? So, there are three phases of Tom Brady's Hall of Fame career. Three phases of Tom Brady's Hall of Fame career. Where does the first one go to? We're going to start right with the 2001 football season when they What do you want to call this phase? I mean, to me, this is game manager Tom Brady. So the first for, so from 2001 to what year do you do you put that era? I, I would say like the I'm going to say the 2004 basically. That's what I was going to say. Right. Because I have I have the playoff statistics in front of me, but right. so 2001 to 2004, you will now call the game manager Brady era. Yeah, game re- manager Brady era. I mean, hey, AFC Championship game. I know we got hurt. He's 12 for 18, 115 yards. The, the against snow, the, uh, the Steelers, the, the snow game before that against the Oakland Raiders. He was 32 of 52 for 312 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, 70.4 rating. He was good. It was a snowy day. They couldn't really run the ball the way they wanted. And then hey, he wins the Super Bowl. 
MVP by throwing for 145 yards, a touchdown with a completion percentage under 60. There we go. So that I mean that kind of win should give your Eagles team a lot of confidence to go. Hey, they've done this. This is how they started. So then go to 2003. He goes to the playoffs. 2003. They go to the playoffs. Right, first divisional round, 21 of 41 against the Tennessee Titans, 201 yards, one touchdown. Because they were still a balanced team. They weren't going. Oh, this is Tom Brady. We got to spread it around. Winning 17 to 14. Right. AFC Championship game versus the Indianapolis Colts. 22 for 37, 237 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Completion percentage under 60%. There you go. And then now, okay, now this is Super where— Super Bowl's when it opened up. This is this is the Super Bowl. This game right Carolina. here is, I think, what gave them the confidence going forward to go, okay, Brady's the man now. He's carried us through a clutch situation, and we can put the team on his back from here on out. And that Super Bowl, they win it 32 of 48, 354 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Unreal game. Right, unreal game. I feel like from there now, they started to go, okay. But even then, the 2004 playoffs, he was below average in almost every game. And then, you mean the 2005 or the 2004? The 2004, 2005, when he went to the Eagles. Right. uh, They beat the Colts, and he threw for 144 yards. Oh, sorry, I missed that year. Yeah, They beat the the Steelers, and he threw for 207 yards. Right. And then against the Eagles, he only threw for 236, but he didn't throw a pick in the whole playoffs. No, he did not. And so, and that, his completion percentage was around 70 in every game. Yes. So, but that was when he started turning the corner in your mind. That is. That is when he started turning the corner to like, okay, we're going to make, we're, we're going to be officially able to put Tom Brady into the Peyton Manning crowd, even gotcha. though he, everybody else was already saying he's greater than just because of three Super Bowls. Super Bowl. Right. But they were basically saying, now we can trust you to run the show, Tom Brady. Now, 2005. He was phenomenal all season long. So is this the beginning of the second era? This is the beginning of the second era, and this is the beginning of, oh, Tom Brady's not as perfect as we all thought he was. He's not as clutch. Oh, there's there's questions about it so a little we'll bit. So we'll call this the back to reality or Tom Brady is human. Era. Yeah, d- Tom Brady showing signs of human, right? Where, so, so Tom Brady might be human. Might so be we have human. Game manager and Tom Brady might be human, and that's from 2005 six to when? To really to I'm gonna say 2007 is a dip. No, I'm gonna go. 16? So I'm gonna break it down like this. So yes, uh, even 2007 to a degree. But 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 big thing is, um, I lost my train of thought where I wanted to go with that there right there. Well, let me let me help you. Two thousand six, he throws two interceptions to the well, Denver no, Broncos. Go two thousand five first. Two thousand five. Oh, so that's they what get, I'm saying. All right, they get to the wild card game. Right, uh, he was phenomenal that whole year. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. He goes fifteen for twenty seven for two hundred one yards, three touchdowns. Next week. They go to the divisional round against the Denver Broncos, and this is the first time I feel like we see flaws in Tom Brady. We go, what? Tom Brady didn't come through in the big situation? Mm. Well, this is unreal. And he went 20 of 36 for 341 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, the famous Champ Bailey 99 interception right. yard return, right, that Ben Watson tackled him at the one-yard right. line. So that was the first time we walked away and we said, damn, Brady didn't come through in the clutch. That's crazy, which, of course, is ridiculous in itself. Of course. But it showed flaws in him. Okay, so now they go to the next year. And we go to the 2006 play. This is the first time I said, ooh, Brady has not been quite as clutch as of late. And 2006, they're really good. They get the wild card game against the Jets. They win. He goes 22 of 34 for 214 yards, two touchdowns. Still not like carrying the right. squad. They're not asking him to be, you know, 400 yards and five touchdowns. The divisional round, San Diego Chargers, the game they should have lost. K 
Kaysan fumbles the interception right. to close out the game. Brady goes 27 of 51, 280 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. They win the game. Okay, they go to the AFC Championship game. They get that 21 to 6 lead against the famous Peyton Manning Colts in right. Indianapolis, right? And everyone's saying it's over. It's over, right? Uh, second half, whatever. They come back. They, the, the Colts win. But Brady, 21 of 34, 232, one touchdown, and the interception at the end to close out the deal for the Colts. So there. Now we got two years in a row. We go, what? What's going on here with Brady, all this stuff? And I'm questioning this at this point, but I don't think the public is. Public, Brady's still the man, and he can do it all himself, right. to at least in mind. But I'm starting to question. 2007 playoffs, they tear up the Jaguars, right? This is undefeated season. Undefeated season. Uh, this is the amazing game in Week 17 against the Giants. I was there when they, you know, he threw for his 50, 50th touchdown pass and all that. Now, they won that Jaguars game. This is, this is to me... Where this is where Tom Brady to me became conscious of legacy to me right around this time. Okay, he became because he's got an undefeated season going on. He's got three Super Bowls, right? And he there was a little thing where New England guys always used to say this to me, and I noticed it because you know me, I was in the weeds where they would you know Brady throws an interception early in the game. They are always like, oh man. We're going to have the Toms in his own head game now. And he threw three against the Chargers for the second straight year. Three against the Chargers in the AFC Championship game, but they still win the game. That was the game when Phillip Rivers played with the torn ACL, right? Remember that? Right. Yes. (laughs) And so three interceptions, but they still win the game. They go to the Super Bowl. He plays real good. I mean, it's not great. It's, he's under duress, so I'm not going to sit here and blame him. Yeah, he was sacked five times. 29 of 48, 266, one touchdown, no interceptions. So played a good game, made the clutch drive to go down. But I feel like from this point on, he, be, he for the first time, looked at himself and said, Oh, my legacy took a tarnish. I'm and three and one. Yes, I'm three and one in the Super Bowls, and really in some big playoff moments here lately, I haven't come through, and I've made some bad mistakes and things like that. So now we get to 2080 blows his knee out, right? First game of the year, 2009. This is where I feel like Brady really changed, not for the good. And neither. This is where I feel like Brady really struggled with mechanics and became the dink and dunker that you heard me yeah. talking about when I first started working at Bleacher Report. It is funny when you break it down because I really do think you go, man, Brady's had an incredible career. No. But this is a very murky time. It's a it's murky like a six, time. seven year time. This is a murky time where New England's going, how long are we going to be stuck with Brady? Not long after this. They're so starting like to go. eight or nine for him. So, yes, it's 2009, okay? Playoffs. It's div- divisional round. Baltimore Ravens coming to town. Um, he they lose. He goes twenty three of forty two for fifty four point eight completion percentage for hundred and fifty four yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. First round bye. Now out of here. Now you know people made their own reasons, whatever it may be, and that, that wasn't a divisional game. I'm pretty sure that was the wild card game. That's a typo. Okay, but either way, that was the game where Ray Rice busted up the middle of the first yes. play of the game, and you're like, uh oh. Uh, but still, we're seeing signs of. Oh shit! Like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. Like, we're this is a pretty good run here. We're seeing games that are not like amazing, yes. right? I mean, you go back to those 2005, it six, seven off. playoffs. Denver elimination, two interceptions. Yeah. Losing to the Colts, an interception. Losing the next year, the Giants didn't really do much in that Super Bowl, right? You and that, and got away with some wins before that to get there, right. where you'd go. Most quarterbacks wouldn't even got that. So the year after Baltimore, Jets, Jets come into town. Rex Ryan, hello Rex to see, and he comes in and he's got some game plans. Brady doesn't play horrible. He throws two TDs, one interception, twenty nine of forty five, two hundred ninety nine yards. I believe he had a fumble in the game as well. But regardless, okay, they lose another they one. They lose another so one. So you, you know, it just—I think it's funny just thinking back about it, going like, "Damn, they—they they would 
they went five years without going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. What's wrong with them? You know what I mean? Okay, so now 2011 comes around, and they have the playoff game against Tim Tebow, where he throws six touchdowns, one interception. Tom Brady. Tom throws Brady. Six yes, yes. It's, it's Denver comes into town because Tebow came off the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers Stars. the week before, and Brady. I remember that game, but I know for me at that point, I was questioning Tom Brady at that point. I was just getting done with my career. I was watching him on film, and I'm just going, damn, I'm telling everybody, he is not as good as what everybody thinks right now. I'm you're watching, doing the Bortles where you're looking around going, am I the only one noticing that Tom Brady's not Tom Brady? And anymore? I know other quarterbacks that I know around the NFL, quarterback, offensive coordinators, ex-quarterbacks, we were all having these little conversations. Like I would have people come up to me and be like, you know, did you watch the game of Brady like last week? Like, damn, he missed a lot of easy throws mm. and like stuff like that was going on in league circles. Either way, they go to the Super Bowl the next year. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> but let's not forget, he throws that six touchdown game against the Broncos. Yes, certainly, and that was like so one dimensional because Tebow and that offense sucked. But then the next week they go to the Super Bowl. No, they go to the championship. They game go to the championship Baltimore. game. He throws two interceptions, no touchdowns, two hundred and thirty nine yards. But they get in still. And they go to the Super Bowl. He has the uh, they lose to the New York Giants, which again he played good enough for them to win two seventy six. But he didn't play great like two thousand three, two thousand four. Tom Brady that I saw again. I think he was very conscious of yards completions, Mm. and that was the game where. Yes, two touchdowns, one interceptions. Also, he gave them two points by throwing the ball away down deep down the middle of the field when no one was there in the zone end zone, and they gave him a safety, if you remember, right. the intentional grounding in his own end zone. Right. And I'm just going to tell you, I come there the next year. So, hold on. So, at this point, Tom Brady has lost two Super Bowls in a row to the Giants. Right. He goes from 3-0 and Super Bowls to 3-2. and Yes. And all of a sudden, people are going... What is happening to Tom Brady? Exactly right. And then in comes Chris Sims. In comes Bitch Chris boy. Sims. The Bitch savior. boy. Right. And I'm just telling were you. Were they like, hey, Chris, you want to suit it up? No, this they were more guy? like, though, I will tell you this. They were blaming Tom Brady for the Super Bowl loss when I really? got there. Yeah. And that building, Brady was the reason they lost the second Super Bowl of the Giants. I'm not going to get into all that. But either Why way. Why won't you uh, get into that? Well, I mean, I just, I, I, whatever. I just, there's, I'm not going to tell you who said what, whatever, what else. I'm not going to go into all that. Fucking Brady. But, but there was definitely. Definitely that sentiment, like that he hadn't been playing his best ball, but yet they were overcoming it and getting to Super Bowls and things like gotcha. that. Now, 2012, you know, I'm there, and they're talking about, damn, Tom, we got to throw the ball down the field. We got to throw the ball down the field. Stop the dink and dunk shit. Stop all this shit. Okay. Well, we get to the playoffs. We destroy the, the Houston Texans um, in the first round game. He plays phenomenal, but we got a beat on them. I mean, we know what they're running on defense. He Three touchdowns. I know this is long. I'm going to try to be faster. But now they get to the AFC Championship game. One touchdown, two interceptions. 29 of 54. To the Ravens. To the Ravens. Ravens go on, beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, I was there. He didn't play good that year. I mean, he was didn't play good. Brandon Lloyd was open downfield the whole season, and he never wanted to throw it to him. And I'm telling you, this is when New England was like, damn, I don't know what to do. We might have, we just got to get 10 Wes Welkers and throw 90 million dink and dunk passes. And that's really when they started to collect the guys. Okay, so now 2013. This is the year I say, I don't think Tom Brady's one of the five best quarterbacks in football this anymore. This is when you first started saying This is when I first started You've saying seen it. enough. 
I've seen the I've seen five there. years, and I worked in New England, and I've really seen enough. I right. fucking know. I don't even want to hear it from anybody. I really want to just tell everybody, hey, fuck you, everybody. I'm telling you, he's not one of the five best, and you're fucking crazy for thinking it. I know he won three rings fucking ten years ago, yeah. but he's not right now. Either way. At this point, it's legitimately ten years before. That exactly right. So there we go. So now we get into the playoffs. They beat the Colts in the first round. He goes 13 for 25 for 198 yards. And they win. Now they're going to go to the AFC Championship game and play Peyton Manning. And this is when I say and it. Denver. In Denver. In Denver. Peyton Manning's 50 touchdown season. In 50 touchdown season. No, this is the year before that. Okay. Because they lost to the Colts in the first round game the year he threw the 50 yard t- right. 50 touchdown. Or maybe I'm wrong. I mean, either way, who gives a shit? I think you're right. It's, you're right. It's 51 touchdowns that season because they're going to go to the Super Bowl and, and play the Seahawks. the Seahawks. Right. right. So, okay. Fuck in that said. game, you're right. In that game, so that game, that divisional game we just talked about, the Colts, was LeGarrette Blunt downhill, downhill. And I'm going, damn, they're a run team. Okay. They go to Denver the next week. And this is when I say it Brady is no longer one of the five best quarters because I watch the film and I go, Denver played Tom Brady like defenses play Blake Bortles in that game. They 277 right. yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. People are wide open down the field the whole game, and he's missing them or doesn't want to throw them. Broncos go on, win the Super Bowl. Now we come to phase three where I feel so like— So this is the end of the this Tom is the Brady end might of, be human era. Exactly We've right. We've done game manager. We've done might be human. Right. And then what are you going to call this era? This era is going to be— that I think you gotta almost call this the rebirth of Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I don't rebirth. give a fuck about my legacy anymore. I'm just gonna win games and do what the coaches tell me. Okay. That's and you know what started it was of course they started that year with that bad game against the Chiefs, right? The dynasty is over because they're Brady. two and three, right? Or three and two, whatever they might right. be. I feel like from that point on, he finally just said, fuck my completion percentage. Let me fix my motion a little bit and start throwing the ball aggressively down the field. This was the sidearm when he, when he was watching This Rogers is when he up. started changing it, right. It stopped this over-the-top motion to throw these four-yard option routes and let me throw the ball down the field to Gronk and hit Edelman and Welker down the field. So they go on. They win the Super Bowl that year, right? This is this Against is the Seattle, and it goes from not being – if he would have lost that – he would have been three and three in he Super Bowls. He was a Bowls. foot away from going three and three, right? But instead, now he's four and two. Now he's four and two, and he played amazing in that Super he Bowl. He did. And the deflate right. game, he was a foot away from being three and three. Three and three, and everybody going, "Damn, Brady can't win the big one anymore." But either way, they win it, and this is just the greatness of Brady to me because this is why you've heard me say Brady's better now than he was in 2010 and 11, and he does that. Okay, 2015 sounds like HGH to me. I mean, no, it's not. I'm just he, but but all right, 2015 <laughs> they lose in the championship round of the Denver Broncos, one of the greatest defenses we ever and saw. And let's be honest, that performance from Tom Brady in that game was incredible. It was very Nobody good. Nobody was open. No. He was getting sacked constantly. He was under pressure he the whole game. He got sacked four times and he was just thrown from his back foot miracle no throws the whole So game. it was a totally different game than the Denver game they lost two years before there. that where Denver just said, fuck Tom Brady. Yeah. Like We don't even think he can beat us. To now it was like the, the, the team was on Brady's shoulders to where they, the New England was obnoxiously like going, we're not even going to run it. We're just yeah. going to drop back and pass it every play. And we don't even you, care. And then you go to last year yes, where, it's, where it's Houston. He goes 287, two touchdowns, two picks. Gr- number one defense in the NFL. Yes. Then Pittsburgh. He goes 384, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And then the Super Bowl, 466, two touchdowns, one interception. Right. And look at we the amount of yards with these completions, right, too. That tells you. like we're, we, you know, we have other games where 52 attempts for 280 yards. And I, so it tells you the type of playing he's Yeah, saying. now all of a sudden it's 8-9 and nine instead 
instead of five and six, exactly. he's throwing the ball down the field. Right. So to me, it was just very interesting. I wanted to put it all in context for no, people. I'm, I, I mean, I just just things I noticed. I'm a Those nerd. are the three eras: the game manager Brady, right. the he might be human Brady, right, and then the rebirth the Brady. It's really a bell curve it is. Of, of his career, right? And I mean, what he's doing now is, of course, amazing. And Everyone, well, Josh, before you interrupt, yeah. that is the long explanation to when people go, Sims, why the fuck did you call Tom Brady not a top five quarterback? Right. You go context. I said it at this era right. when when you look, he didn't go to the he didn't win a Super Bowl for a decade and he really wasn't playing that well. No. Yeah, it's what drives me crazy about the you're not allowed to ever change the quarterbacks. Like Von Miller was the best pass rusher in 2016. You know what? In 2017 he wasn't. Like but for some reason with the quarterback issue, you can't ever shuffle him. It's like Brady's won, and yeah. that's it forever, forever, forever. All right, go for I, I was just going to say that every once in a while we finish a segment, and I go, oh, boy, can't wait to hear what my Patriots friends are going to say tomorrow about this one. I, I suspect there's going to be a meltdown tomorrow. Well, I don't know what the meltdown is. To me, I, I'm trying to – like. You're the giving man, him a ton of credit. I'm trying yeah. to say the man is human, and he went through a part of his career where he struggled, and they were still going to the Super Bowl yep. or losing AFC championship games. But to me, what I'm really trying to show is he's changed his game here the last three years. And to me, this is what makes him, of course, one of the greatest of all time. I mean, Peyton Manning couldn't do this. That's why Peyton Manning was throwing lollipops out there. They were benching him for Brock Osweiler. It's not a career in which you go, he's always been the best. It's actually more impressive that he was and then lost it and then got it back. Exactly. And that's a lot harder to do. Yeah, extremely. I am going to go on a rant in a second. Uh, about the Eagles and this fanhood. You want to do that first or call Phil? We are about you to sure? be joined we don't, by we can Big wait. Phil. Phil. Phil's in the car. We can make him wait. They've already started okay. calling him. Right. Big Phil. Phil in time. <laughs> At your face. He's going to be in the car? I think so. Oh, we don't what, even what's know. What's he driving? Uh, he's probably got a driver. John the driver. Jim's here. Oh, hey. Hey, Big Phil. You driving or is John at the wheel? Yes, that's right. We, we're in a big stretch limousine, <laughs> and I'm having you know a drink, some few other people in the car with me. It's all great. It just, sounds great. just like when you dropped off Chris at Texas. <laughs> <laughs> wow, is that true? We weren't in a stretch limousine, were we, son? No, well, you weren't there, Dad, so let's just... Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you oh, didn't, okay. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I always heard that story. I wanted to know if it was true or not. I go, oh, my God, please, we didn't do that, I hope. No, we did not. We did not do that. Oh, it no. got overblown. Well, that was so good. I'll tell you the story some other time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, seriously, are you, you in the car, are you in the car and John's driving? Yes, I am. I'm heading to New York to do something with a great... Uh, fit fat Boomer Esiason. Hey, <laughs> fit fat Boomer. How you doing? Hey man, I'm fit fat. I go really. So I really truly looked it up on my phone to see if there was such a thing. I said Boomer, there's no such thing as fit fat. You either fit or you're fat. <laughs> but, <you> know, whatever. <laughs> Do you know uh, when? But that's how he classifies himself because you know he plays hockey, which I've seen many tapes of him playing hockey. And um, playing hockey, he's not a blazer on the ice, but. Gets a lot of goals because all he does is just sit in front of the goal by the goalie and, you know, cherry picks and stuff. I heard. Puts his big old rear end on everybody. Well, you know. You've heard all the stories because you played on the softball team. So, um, I'm so sure we'll have 
I always wonder, Big Phil, if you know when you become like a big internet sensation, and it happened again this week, where a video got put out of all of the members of the CBS Sunday crew talking to each other, except for Big Fucker, excuse me, that's your new name, Big (laughs) Phil sitting there like by himself, and everyone's like, why isn't anyone talking to Phil Sims? And the question I have for you, Phil, is, is do you have friends? Do they hate you on the set? What's going on? <laughs> oh, no, man, they love me. Come on, come on. You know I, I love it's, you. Uh, it's, it's, they call it the, I forgot what they call it, the shot. So usually they throw things at me for that shot. <laughs> and I beg them, please, just don't. Let's act like we're talking. Or, so I didn't even know they were shooting the dumb shot. So I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, um, how am I going to start watching the game? I get all my computers up and all that stuff. That's what I was thinking. So when I saw the shot, I go, nobody even told me, you know, well, whatever. So what? Well, well, that actually became a sensation. It, it got spread around the Internet. Two things got spread around the Internet this week. Wow. That and then the audio clip as they're going to halftime at Jacksonville, New England, a fan screams, Phil Sims is better than Tony Romo. <laughs> and then that became a really popular Internet clip. Wow, man, I'm so out of it. I didn't know these things. So this happened right before halftime. Right before halftime. They're going in. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, those fans. Now, look, that booth in New England yeah. is close to the fans, and it is a great view. It's the best. It is. But you always got to stand back just a little so they don't see you <laughs> because um, some of the things they can say, almost always it's nice. I mean, it has been for many, many years because – they win so much, but also some of the other things that they could say, especially in this day and age, that you might respond to, <laughs> and um, which I have been known to do. Uh, so I always sit back and people be, hey, Bill, hey, Bill, and I go, is that going to be a good one or a bad one? And I'm not going to find out, so I just stay back. So. I truly believe if Big, if Big Phil came down and they saw just how big he was, I think people would change their tune immediately. Oh, they definitely would. Well, you know. Go yeah, ahead. I really, surely, yes, you know, all the young guys, they, of course, as I walked around the building, hey, big effort. Yeah, okay, okay, come over here. I'm going to hold my hand out and just run your face into it. I don't even want to use the energy to slap you across your head. And so, yeah, your son called you big awful. fucker. And, you know, that's all they talked about. Hey, so I guess for now on at CBS, anybody that's under 40, I'm the – you're the big fucker. Well, yeah, whatever, big fucker. Whatever you two started. Where do we? Where did we? No, we got. Dad and I got this from a movie where we kind of started. What was that? What is the movie? Oh, it's the Green Mile. Green Mile. He's a big, ah. he's a big fucker. When the, when I the love big Green Mile. The, yeah, he gets him from behind. Go, oh, where'd you come from, you old big, you old big Michael fucker? Clark Duncan. R.I.P. <laughs> You're exactly right. Yeah. That's who he's it was. The, he's the actor that's up for Academy Award for Three Billboards. I think it's called. No, I think he he's passed really away. Really good in it. Did he pass What's away? That? I'm pretty sure Michael I don't think Clark he passed Duncan away. Look yeah, up. he died. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the guy that said. Hey, oh. So I'm not talking about the guy in Green, Green Mile. Oh, yeah, yeah. The said the line. Green yeah, Mile yeah, yeah, actually right. had a really good cast. Tom Hanks was in that movie. He's talking about the crazy guy that was in jail. He's the one. Yes. That, that, yeah, and yeah. you're right. He is in the new movie he that was I can't awesome. think he's of. He's great in every movie. Uh, oh, he's awesome in the new movie, Three Billboards. So he kind of plays the character that's a little offbeat. And he is great in it. I mean, it's—I almost feel like he's playing the guy in the cell in the Green Mile. I mean, it's pretty, 
it's pretty good stuff. What do you got for what do you got for pops? Well, I I mean, we dad and I haven't even talked about the championship games, like and what we've seen on film. So I don't know. Do you want to go there, Dad? Do anything that whatever you want, son. I'm I you know it's that time of life where I have to listen to you. You (laughs) The the actor, by the way, his name is Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. That's right. What, 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 would, what would be something you would want to t- talk to your dad about? I, I think the thing that just – I mean, the, I want to talk about the Jags and the Patriots. I mean, that's Well, what, first off, you know, he should listen to me more, Adam, because I had them both nailed. The games it almost played out exactly the way I thought they would, said it would. Uh, but, you know, that's just, that's just one thing. He was all over the Vikings-Eagle matchup. I will he give said him the Eagles were going to blow him he, out? Well, he didn't say they were going to blow him out, but he really thought the Eagles were going to handle the Vikings. I'll give him that for sure. He said that early last week, and I was like, man, I don't know, Dad. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, Big Phil, I picked the Eagles, too. Your grandson apparently said he was going to go for the Vikings, and then after the game told your son, oh, I knew the Eagles were going to win. I was just rooting for the Vikings, Dad. <laughs> so he's got the analyst rolled down. Sounds like me. Uh, I love that. I like that. It's good. All right. You know, it is funny how you change your thoughts, and I do all the time. All the time. Inside the NFL, I would pick one team, and then by the time Sunday came around, I go, oh, my gosh, can I change those picks? Right. And almost every time I thought that, I was right. Yeah. Especially during the playoffs. Uh, Man, but uh, that was a great – that was the one thing I felt real sure about is that the Eagles are just bigger, tougher, faster, whatever you want to say than the Minnesota Vikings, and it, it proved out. Really, it proved out on both sides of, both yes, sides of the football. It definitely did. Well, I, go ahead. What about the Jags game? What do you want to say? Well, I mean, uh, okay. I mean, just uh, to me, it's the <laughs> it's the most lopsided talent disparity in a game, in the AFC Championship game that I've ever seen, and the team that was way less talented won the football game. I mean, it just I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. Well, I think you're right, and and you, the one thing we did talk to each other, I think as I was driving home, right, is I just said, that was as excited as I've ever seen Bill Belichick. Right. And I said, you know why, don't you, Christopher? And yeah. he said, yep, because he knew the other team on the other side was physically really, really good, and he has great respect, of course, for Tom Coppel and Doug Marone. Right. Now, that was year one of what they do. Right. And what we saw in the game was to me simple. A team that can play three different ways on offense and defense against a team on the other side that can play one way on both sides. Right. And and that just shows you, you know, you gotta you know, you always gotta have a plan B and C in the NFL. And if you can't, then that those those type of things happen to you. Right. And as usual, the other thing is is finally New England just keep throwing it. Change their passing attacks. Keep throwing it. Those defensive linemen, they can only rush the passer so many times. And um, that, that, that kind of happened to Jacksonville, too. All right. So, the, you know, the, the play into that a little bit, because you did bring up Philadelphia. Let's just have a quick combo about that. Because, you know, nobody in the universe is giving the Eagles a chance. And, they, you know, of course. And listen, you put a gun to my head. I think you and I would probably pick the Patriots to win the football game. But sure, the Eagles are going to be the better team on the field. And for people to just think that the New England Patriots are going to go in there and just steamroll the the Patriots because Brady and the Belichick Eagles, yeah. have won all these Super Bowls, I don't I just I find it crazy. I I would be shocked if this game isn't like really really close with 5 minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
Well, I, I think it's going to be a close game. The Eagles are every bit. Look, when you're listen, they're a match to the Patriots because the Eagles are a big football team. Yeah, uh, their defense. You know, the thing is, it's almost back to Jacksonville. The one thing I loved about what the Eagles did, and Adam, you had to be happy, is their coaching on both sides of the ball was aggressive. The play calling, what they were thinking, how they went about it, the blitzing was awesome. I mean, Jim Schwartz just said, let's just go. And it seemed like everything they did was working, and you got to be able to do that. I kind of do a rant for CBS every week, about a minute, and I said, you you have to stay on top of New England the whole time. you got to take chances constantly. That's what they're about. And if you don't coach aggressively, then you're going to lose. You're right. Because it's it just you're going to lose. So you got to know that, especially in big games, because they're going to do it. And as Sean Payton before the Super Bowl down in Miami, I never forget this. Probably told y'all this story. He's a Bill Parcells disciple, so they always believe in man. You got to win big games. You got to go for it. You got to take some chances, and you can't be afraid to go down in flames. Right. So I know all this before we ever meet with Sean. Right. So we go in there, and he sits at the table. And the first thing out of his mouth, he goes, well, we got an onside kick in. We're going to use this. We're going to do this trick play. I got this, this. And he just, and he gets done. I go, You're, I literally said, I can't believe you just said that to us. He says, you know I knew you were going to do this. That was going to be my opening monologue on the Super Bowl con- uh, pregame. I was coming on with all this. And I can't say any of it because you just told us. Yeah, that's why he probably told you, though, right? He said it because he knew he, you might say it. Maybe he knew you knew. You, he probably you, did. Right. You know, over the years, though, you know, Sean is he's, he's pretty aggressive in those production meetings. <laughs> right. One of the better guys when it comes to giving information. But I was so upset because he knew, too, that Indianapolis was better than New Orleans. Definitely. And they won the game, really, I think, for one reason. One, he was aggressive coaching. They were waiting on the play for the interception, the envy play. Right. They said, when it's tight, they're going to run it. And I, Greg Williams, D coordinator, I told my guys, if it's not that play, I swear I'll take the blame. You just go for it. And the other one was what? Dwight Onside Freeney. kick. Oh, Dwight Freeney having the bad ankle. That ruined the game for the Colts. He had the bad foot. Right. Early in the game, he was disruptive and ruining the game. And he had to leave. And that's when New Orleans just really tore him up after that. Yeah. So. All right, good stuff, Big Phil. Hey, hey, enjoy your, oh, uh, hey, Boomer, I never thought I looked good in green before. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? Every time I say that, you know what I think of, don't you? Uh, Green cash? I'm taking that cash to the bank, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that. All right, see you, Phil. I'm excited to see see you in Minnesota, bud. Yep. I'll see you guys up there. All right. All right, Dad. We won't tell John I said hi. And that is filling time. Oh, so can I, just real quick with the Sean Payton thing. Yes. So that's Super Bowl. I knew they were going to kick the onside kick. He might be on not happy. You didn't happy. know when, second half or I first. I knew they were going to kick it. He told me because he goes, hey, I mean, Christopher, can't, can't tell anybody here. Can't tell, I mean, nobody. Can't tell anybody. The Saints are going to kick an onside kick in the game. The Saints? <laughs> I, I think it might be the start of the second half. 
So and you're like sitting on this like I'm sitting on it. He told me maybe Saturday night, the night before the game. Where'd you watch the game? Uh, that game, I believe. Wait, where the hell was I for that game? I think I was in Denver. Actually, my I, only question is: yeah. Were you in a room full of people and turn around and go, "Hey guys, no, dollar no, bet"? No. Oh. If I had my choice, I like to watch Super Bowls by myself. I know that sounds weird. Like, I watched last year by myself. I enjoyed and it was one of the best experiences. Exactly I've right. Ever had. I sat. My kids sat there with me. My wife sat there, who's clueless and just looks up when they score a touchdown. And I got to enjoy the game. Yeah, I think I watched that game by myself. But so when they lined but up, that, you were like, "Oh yes. shit!" But that reason is the reason why I don't ask my coaching friends questions sometimes that I may know the answer to that is controversially they don't want to get out there because I don't want to know their answer because I might be right already and I have a theory and I've connected enough dots and I know you and personally. And if you get the information, you're going to feel guilty about right. it or you don't want to share it. Right. If he tells me, then I go, uh, then, then they're going to be able to say, you burned me. I told you this. And I want uh, to be like, well, fuck, I knew that already. I mean, I knew the 49ers were looking for their trading a quarterback. I mean, yeah. so I didn't need to ask Kyle that question or, you know, whatever it right. may be. You, you got to avoid those sometimes. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, All right, sorry. No, why? Why the fuck do you apologize I don't after know. you drop fucking gems? Um, I have wondered for a long time whether or not I was genetically predisposed to being an overaggressive, myopic, irrational, mean, and vicious fan. It's right. the plight of a Philadelphia fan. Right. I used to take pride. Like when you tweeted out things about Doug Peterson last year. Exactly. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I used to take pride in people telling me, you know, you're not a typical Eagles fan. I liked it. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm not. Like, I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit more reasonable. <laughs> I have spent this year watching weeks and weeks of Bills fans smash through fire tables and be called incredible fans. And I've reached a point where I'm tired of the bullshit and mm -hmm. I want you to know the truth. Philadelphia fans being bad is an insurmountable narrative based on confirmation bias that is an unrepresentative of the fan base at large, and it is agenda-driven. Wow, that I, was like lawyer shit I right am there. going to break down each of the things that I said. First, it being an insurmountable narrative. When you Google Philadelphia fans, the next suggestions that pop up are throw, bar throw batteries, boo Santa Claus, fight, and worst. That's what I think of. <laughs> Right at the top of the list. <laughs> the batteries thrown at J.D. Drew were from two fans. But now apparently it was raining down batteries. Right. Santa Claus happened in 1968. Yeah. Literally 50 years. At the old U-Penn Stadium, and right? And people act like it was really fucking Santa right. Claus. Like Rudolph came down. They're like, it's St. Nick. Right. If you if you seen SantaCon, am I supposed to treat them with respect, drunk idiots? That's what it was in 1968. And they yeah. combined those two. Like, they threw batteries at It was Santa 1968, Claus. though. Everybody was polite in 1968. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> the jail. Uh, the, the battery. Jail. Yeah, go oh, ahead. The jail. This oh, is fun. There was a jail in Veteran Stadium. A courthouse. Did you know that half of the NFL arenas have prisons equipped inside? In-house jails are now standard at new stadiums when they're built. Quote, all of our NFL facilities have some form of detention, but in Philadelphia, that's the only one that exists. You guys were the and, first to have it. And you had a freaking judge in your basement. So you had a judge we're there. called the worst because we cheered the injury of Michael Irvin. I don't know if you guys have played fantasy football lately, but when someone gets injured, I've heard one every game where they You're go, right. they go, oh, good. Right. I was up against him in fantasy. Right. But no, the Eagles fans are the worst because they did it one time. Yeah. 
Confirmation biased. I said that it's insurmountable narrative based on confirmation bias. Those are big words. Mike Clay of the Washington Post looked at average arrests per game. Mm-hmm. Philly is barely above the league average at 3.2. San Diego averages nearly 25 per game. The Giants average 23. The Jets average 22. The Raiders are at 18. The Patriots even average more oh, at would, 5. Yeah. But the Eagles get the worst. What's your average? 3.2 arrests per game. I think you guys just have call officers with a very high threshold. But I also know this. <laughs> it's confirmation bias because I know how the media works. Yeah. And I know a title that goes, Philadelphia fan, blah, 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 is going to click more. You know how I know? Mm. Because people at this company are like, I kind of hope Philadelphia gets in because I know they're going to do crazy stuff. They're leading to more of that confirmation bias. I said that it's based on an uh, it's not representative of the fan base at large. Let's talk about these other fan bases cuz they're so fucking clean and great. The 12th man in Seattle. I mean, these guys are the perfect fan. So perfect that they destroyed Pioneer Square and caused roughly $25,000 of damage to a 100-year-old glass archway known as the Pergola when they won the Super Bowl. All right, it's a little bit new. Let's go back. Let's go to America's team, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, these guys are rooted in tradition. When they won Super Bowl 27, a WFAA reporter said that in his 30 years of business, he has never been more in fear of his life. And on that day, as people vandalized and looted stores, threw bottles at other fan and police, mugged innocent bystanders, fired guns, and stabbed humans. But Dallas, so much better than Philadelphia. Maybe, you know what, Dallas, it's a little bit crazy. Let's stay in the same state. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Well, we Let's don't go know what Sixburg. you guys would do if you won a Super Bowl. We don't know what. We that don't other, know the amount that of other Pennsylvania yet. city that has class. When they won in 43, right. city officials said law enforcement had to respond to more than 400 emergency calls, arrested more than 100 people, and estimated the riots, call, riots caused more than $150,000 worth of damages. I'm not bringing up the San Francisco and the paralyzation they had at a Giants game, the Boston death, Houston, Baltimore, every city, yet these cities are never defined by their one moment because we condone it and we understand it because they won something. But every time Philadelphia greases a pole, we're the worst humans ever. We cl- we ride a dune buggy up the rocky steps and we're like, anarchy in the streets. Nothing happened. There were six arrests. Right. That was it. Nothing And I said that it's because it's Mm agenda-driven. And whenever something like this happens, I ask myself, who benefits from this narrative? Other fans like to have one fan base as the disgusting, deplorable fan base because now their fanhood is suddenly civil. But the question I would ask is, why are you so angry? Why are Eagles fans so angry? If it's this big thing, why? If you go to a shelter and you go to buy a dog and it starts snapping at humans. No one says, man, that dog was born angry and vicious and wild. No, they know that that dog was in an environment that they were treated poorly and they are conditioned to act like that. 
It is not genetic predisposition that Eagles fans are the fucking worst. It's because for 50 fucking years, all the other fan bases have treated us like shit, and they march into our city, and they put clothing on the Rocky, and they do skull on the step, and they go, I don't understand why you're cursing at us, you disgusting fan. They did that. That's fucked up. Vikings fans came into the city and did that. But no, we're disgusting because we're yelling fuck you to somebody. That happens everywhere else. But when that video goes online as Philadelphia fans, oh man, it's the worst. I can't defend all the cursing, the beard throwing, the intimidation, the fights. Of course not. But I also expect that out of all the other fan bases and I don't get upset when I see it from then either because it's not indicative of the bigger picture. Every fan base has dumb fans. If 70,000 people go into a confined area with alcohol and you go, none of you better act up, who's the idiot? The person who thinks that nothing is going to happen. I will say this to end. If the Eagles win, I believe that this is the pin in the balloon that releases the pressure. Because I really believe the fan base will calm down a little bit because it's nerves combined with stress, combined with anger, combined with hope. And that's a really dangerous spot. I think that when the Eagles win, when am I Eagles win? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna see how bad your city is when you win. The ring arguments are dead. Right. Being called users, losers will be silenced. And the question that you need to ask yourselves, fans of other fan base, right. if they win, why are you so upset that they got the ring? It's not because all of a sudden you can't say it to them anymore. We are no longer the team that can be called shit and can be called losers and can be called deplorable. It ends. Right. And so it's like you've lost your loser. Right. And that's why Giants fans are so upset. But that would be my thing about Eagles fans. <sighs> there are undeniably people in that fan base that, are, that I don't want representing it. But I've just spent so much of my life wondering, do I even want to support a team that's known for all this? And I just think that it's bullshit. I just think it's confirmation bias and it's inflated. And I understand that bad things have happened. But... It's a narrative that you guys want that I don't think is real. That's just me. Yeah, it is just you because I think you're so fucking wrong on this one. It's not even funny. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not even funny. It is what it is. They are. I think it's the greatness of your fans. I don't care. I, am, I, like, I it. like it. I'm I from like Jersey. I love it. It's awesome. Hey, fuck you. You're in our stadium. I hope you fucking lose. In fact, we're going to dump our beer on you too, maybe. So, like... I get it because it's not cool that everybody always like brings you guys up. You're right. right. There's a lot of issues. Like Boston fans are brutal too. It's ridiculous. And it, winning has not helped them. No, they've so you guys worse. are gonna win. And if you guys win, I think you guys could get worse too. I think that's a possibility. I, I don't be. look at it as a negative. <laughs> like they're, they're great. I like it. I, it's like no bullshit. Like I'm what just the fuck- Minnesota fans? What the fuck were you thinking? That's yes. what I would say. Like, didn't you do your scouting report? Did you think you were gonna walk in? Do like section one eleven row twenty five, and the Eagles fans are gonna be like, "Hey, here's a here's a bed of roses for you. Welcome to Philadelphia." I, I mean, get the fuck out of here. You I don't start care. A fight with I hope bully. you guys win it, and I hope you get worse. Uh, Minnesota is more jails crazy because because Boston and Philly in one city combined. Oh my gosh, it might be like a riot. Just, yeah, it might be war. I mean, me and my mom are going to fight somebody. It's going to be <laughs> The left goes throwing down in the streets That was an awesome rant. You're right. There is yeah, bias. Good job, left. Right. Your fans as you a whole. You can admit bias, but also still admit that maybe our bad's a little bit worse than other people's I think you're like, like, 
I think the San Francisco Oakland thing is a great like yeah, because like there's some gang stuff there. There's yes. gang stuff there. You guys don't have that going on in your stadium, but like out of the seventy thousand that are in the stadium, sixty-seven thousand of them are going to go, "Hey, fuck you, you suck." Right. And I like that. I don't know. Now, listen, your I reputation agree. is just like we should have asked my dad about this. Dad would have had great insight because I believe he had a battery thrown on him before too. So it didn't just happen at the baseball game. It's bullshit. But Phil Simms is not a reputable. I was not allowed to go to the Philadelphia games. I know. I know. Okay. That's why I'm saying it to you. All right. I I I know that it's an environment, yeah. and I know it's different. But I think really what you said there is Vikings fans. What were you thinking? What were you? thinking i mean no shit i I have i have a cowboys fan that went to the game and he had a really bad experience i have a group of friends did he wear a cowboys jersey yeah i don't give a fuck i mean great you're stupid they're gonna say why can't i wear my jersey to your state you can but you just better be ready i don't want to hear the complaining after oh they were nice to me no shit they're not on your side. It's kind of like don't if, wear the jersey. Don't put a fucking bullseye on your back, you idiot. It's like when people wear like back in the election, they're gonna wear a Clinton shirt to a Trump rally and be like, right. "They treated me like shit." Right. I wonder why. Yeah. No you, shit. You're, you're literally advertising asking to be treated right. a certain way. I mean, yes. I mean, I was a. My dad was the quarterback of the Giants, and you look just like him. If you I didn't sit been... in the right section at home games of the Giants games, people were gonna figure it out and go. Hey, your dad sucks, Sims. Hey, hey, little Phil, your dad can't fucking hit open receiver. So I had to always go sit to Section 236 who understood our family, and they would protect us a little bit. But it's foolproof across the league. Yeah. You're right. It doesn't matter. And when you stick out and you're going oppo- opposite of the home team, yeah. Yeah. I just think my big thing I didn't t- know about the Rocky jersey thing. I mean, I mean that, dumb. that's the rules. are. And the best thing is they weren't. The rules the are e- off. The Eagles fans weren't going skull. They changed it to foals. Foals. <laughs> and Vikings fans were so mad. But look. Here's here's the other side of the Eagles fan. Yeah. Mike Zimmer's foundation, a charity, announced that there has been a huge influx of charitable donations from people in Philadelphia because they believe that they didn't like how the Vikings were treated as they were leaving. There you go. But those stories don't get pumped. No, of course not. You know? Of course. Chris Long donating his entire salary to the schools and selling all the shirts back and giving it back to the community. Connor Barr, when he was there, building playgrounds. Those stories don't become Did you national. see those quotes on that with Chris Long? Long, what he said, that Chris was Long, awesome. What Chris Long said about Malcolm Jenkins was, I guess people can do both things. Right. When you told Michael Je- Malcolm Jenkins to focus on football, no, we're in the Super Bowl, he could talk about racial injustices in America and also get us right. to the Super Bowl. Right, and he said it right. He was like, you know, when it's a controversial subject, then we have to focus on football. But if it's giving out turkeys or Thanksgiving, nobody ever talks yes. about, oh, you're distracted, you should be worried about the game this weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was awesome. Two of them together, and Hey, you know, up your ass, Philadelphia. I hope you win it. Was that a compliment? It was yes. It was Philadelphia style. <laughs> well, that was that was Philip, Philip. my yeah, bro- Philip. my little boy. Yes, Philip. up your up ass, your Philadelphia. Ass, Philadelphia. Uh, let's go extensive game notes. Okay. Phil, uh, Chris Sims locked himself into a room and he's watched a lot of film. And we're going to start off with Eagles Vikings. Okay. First thing that jumps out is the ferociousness of the Eagles front four. I just, I just. I don't know why. It's amazing TV, just watching the game. I mean, I knew you guys won the battle up front, but even like in early on in the game where I was like, oh, the Vikings were kind of controlling. No, they weren't. They were never controlling. <laughs> it was never. I was wrong. The film, the line went back the whole time. They had a few good game plan things to move the ball early on, but you guys are fucking killers. You noticed this at the end of the game when Fletcher Cox yelled at someone for getting a personal foul penalty, but you also wrote it earlier in your notes. Fletcher Cox, highest paid guy on the team has to play like
like this. Hustle, play hard to lead team was around the ball every play. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why the team is giving you that investment. They're expecting you not only to be the best player on the team, but the example setter and what you do through that. And that's how teams get better from that. From that. They will get better because they're going to go, damn, our best player does everything and he's been rewarded for it. So maybe if I can do everything and work hard, they'll, somebody will reward me too. Mm. And those are what leaders do of a football team a la, like I think I wrote Marcel Darius, right, with yes. the Buffalo Bills. Why did they want to ship his ass out of town? Hey, the fattest, laziest fucking guy in our team was getting paid the most and not playing that great. We got to get him out of here. It's not good for the new culture, the yeah. head coach, to go, hey, yeah, we'll let you play like crap just because you're paying a lot of money and don't show up for meetings. No problem, rest of the guys. So that's why. You said the pick six changed the game, and on that pick six you wrote, horrible technique from the right tackle hill. And also, Keenum was 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That won't happen because Brady only goes six and a half, but right. the right tackle was the issue that we thought he would be, huh? He really was the issue, and he got himself in those positions where it looked like he was playing like defense in basketball. You know, you and I have laughed about those guys in the draft process yes. coming out where we're like, what's he doing? Is he playing point guard, a guard right. and a point guard here, or is he blocking somebody? Yeah. It was the same thing, and yeah, it just gave Chris Long a two-way go, and when you have bad technique like that against good pass rushers, you're, you're going to give up an edge. You also wrote on that strip sack that Derek Barnett had, you said, I hate that this pass pro is not realistic. Four-man rush, waste of pass protection. Four-man rush, six-man pass protection, first of all. Why? Like Tom Brady's not going to waste six blockers on four people. He's going to go, man... I know they're only keeping four pre-snap. They're only so let's change let's this. Add and another weapon. Let's get another here. guy out there. They don't do it. Added to the fact that they ask a guy again. It's like you and I have always said before too. Like on the chalkboard, we've got him blocked. See the By red a tight end. The tight end. We block. We drew a line, and he blocks it. This is gonna work. Yeah. Until they get out there in pads, like everybody, like you know, it's the old Mike Tyson saying. Like everybody's got a game plan, and they get punched in the face. Like yeah, good luck. They ask them to block the left D end from the right tight end position and come across and block him in a minute. That's not realistic. That's when I start to lose like my sympathy for you for losing a game. Uh, you wrote, really hard to key in on Eagles running game. They pull centers and guards, and when you combine that with a run-pass option, it makes it very tough. It really makes it tough. I, I'm going to be, this is my going to be my most favorite thing to watch in the Super Bowl is what Belichick comes up with in these two weeks to defend what we're seeing the Eagles do. The Eagles are doing some groundbreaking stuff, I think. Really? I yeah, I don't think there's a lot of teams in football that are doing like double run schemes on each side of the line of scrimmage. What does that mean? Like, you might be pulling your left guard and your center to go run a run left, but your right side runs blocks a different play, and you could run the ball right if you want to, or even throw the ball off it. So it's not customary to run block for two different runs no, in the same play? No, it's not. It's not. But you're stressing the defense in such a way where... And it's hard to key in on anything, like you said, because are you going to follow the guard going that way or the center going that way? Exactly right. So to me, that too, now th- oh, this he's is going to find some. This is well. This is the issue with the Vikings. The Vikings. The Vikings just you know they were kind of like oh we're the Vikings and this is what we do double A gap and we're going to play three deep man or three deep zone like whatever it may be. And when you play a team that plays the same thing every week, you know what they're keying on and you can fuck with them. Exactly right, and that's what you guys did to them. And it's going to be interesting. I just be interested to see the approach. Like I don't think you you can't play you guys man to man. That's the the big issue right. because if you're going to play man to man and oh we're going to get he's man to man on the tight end. And, uh, we have uh, too many weapons. There's, well, it's man-to-man, but he's worried about his run fake and, oh, all the flow's going one way. Oh, shit, the tight end came out the back door.
sure. Right. I was worried about the run coming at me. I didn't keep my eyes on the tight end for that split second. Now he's on the other side of the field. So you're going to have to be smart about situations, personnel, and how you want to defend it. And to me, I mean, without getting X's and O's, you got to play under front. You got to play zone coverage underneath, and you're probably going to have to ask your corners to do that. Do some stuff on the outside, man to man wise. Uh, I'm not going to get too in the weeds with yeah. this. I can draw it up for you later. But speaking of Eagles, a line you wrote, Vitai was great. Vitai was great. You just there was never really a moment in that game where you guys weren't in control up front. I mean, never. I mean, it was a it was a massacre. Yeah, you wrote Eagles' offensive scheme took away the only advantage Vikings D line had. Yes, because of like that confusion we talk about right. getting a key. They couldn't be aggressive. They couldn't be aggressive. Everson Griffin couldn't just go, oh, I'm going to turn the corner on Vitae. He was always going, damn, there's a guard pulling. Oh, shit, they're throwing a screen. Wait, it's a play-action pass. Oh, it just He's all over the place, so they can't tee off. You also said the Eagles' defense was very good against bunches and stacks, which is super important for New England. It is, yes. You have to be able to... Uh, what did they do well? Well, they, they just had the right the right way of playing the zones and to have people, people passing it off. Right, you know, if if uh, New England finds a flaw in your bunch packages, there's nobody that's got more ways to kind of cross you up with three yeah. guys in a that's bunch. That's what scares the shit out of me. Yes, but I, I think Schwartz Schwartz is this is where this the greatness of Schwartz. Schwartz was going. He knows that he's going to have stuff there, and they will defend that and not let them have those easy completions. Yeah, you got a little nervous. It sounded like you liked Schwartz's aggressiveness, but you were like, man, that's really dangerous if he tries that against. You're just going to have to be crazy. It worked against Minnesota. You wrote maybe he could sense that they had the more strength. I think so. I think I, when I because he kind of came out semi conservative. You guys got the pick six, and I think he was kind of like, okay, I, we've been pushing them around up front. Right. I gave them some easy completions by telling my secondary to play off the first two drives. I'm going to go for the kill now, and I and he did, and and it, it paid off. You also wrote that you love the Eagles' three tight end sets. I really do, and I think it's going to be a weapon for them. I mean, you know, uh, great our man him. Burton and Selleck, yeah. of course, are extremely Burton tough kept matchups. His feet in. He's, yeah, he's that was, a great player. That, that was, was so, but that was that was stupid. Um, but regardless, uh, yes, I think that is a look that will stress New England because New England right now is in a part where they're not as big as in years past, and to stop the power run game is like a true issue for That's them. That's what I'm so excited about. Yeah, now you guys pose. It's some rare that an Eagles team is the team with the better power running game. It's been a long time since I've been able to say that. Damn, like, there's right. only been like instances with Deuce Staley, but even like Lashawn McCoy was not a power. Running no, game. it was not. It was a spread team. Get them in space. You know, a few in between the tackles runs. But you're it's right. it was crazy to me to see in your notes yeah. that a team that won thirty eight to seven quote it was more of an ass whooping than it looked like on TV. Yes, because it looked like an ass whooping on television. So you left the film going, man, Philadelphia is good. <laughs> last thing I want to say. Last thing I want to say about that game, and I wrote yeah. it, and you might have not saw. It. I just wrote this because I've heard a lot of people talk, and you know, of course, we had people in our office that you know, maybe they should start Nick Foles next year. Oh my god. Okay, so yeah. yeah, all right. This is what I want to say, and I wrote this at the top, and I didn't know if you saw it, but I wrote eleven Wentz allowed team to get. I didn't better. know what you meant by that you because wrote Wentz allowed the team to get better. The, the Wentz factor is what's brought your team to this moment. This is what franchise quarterbacks could do, and that's what he did at certain points of the year where you guys weren't quite playing the way you are right now, but he got you wins because he made amazing plays or whatever else, and waited for the team to catch up to gel all together. And right now, between him getting. Injured, I'm sure put a little fire under everybody's ass, but your team game right now is 
you know, so much better than it was in week seven of the season. Then it was still like, damn, we see we see glimmers of they can be awesome, but oh man, they've messed up a few plays. But oh, Wentz bailed him out. He made an amazing scramble or an amazing yeah. throw on third and eleven. Right now you're clicking on all cylinders, and then you just have the quarterback that's taking advantage and and burying the the what do you say? The bearing the weight, the weight or the fruits. Uh, what did I want to say? Oh, uh, fruits of labor. Yes, enjoying exactly. the fruits of his labor. Exactly, something like that. Let's go I to Patriots you, yeah. Jaguars. You wrote the Patriots are in bare front almost every play. They have to play man to man because they're afraid of the run. You like the game plan by the Jaguars. When they see man to man, it's a screen or a boot. When it's zone, they run up the middle. Yep. And you wrote if Bortles could really throw, this would have been a blowout. Yes, they they were. You know, again, the game is the game is. This is where I've started with the the whole Jacksonville Bortles, and the game is managed for Jacksonville to not let Bortles screw it up. I mean, I'm sorry, those are just the simple facts of the matter. It really is. And um, yes, I mean, New England was in such a bind in this game, and and as I said when my dad was talking, I don't think I've ever seen a championship game where the talent disparity was this big, and the team that was the lesser team won. I mean Jacksonville, like I said on Monday, if you took the if you tried to make the perfect team out of the Jags and the Pats, you would take eighteen Jaguars and four Patriots. You'd get Brady, Gronkowski, I'll give you Shaq Mason and Devin McCourty. And let me just tell you, that's really close to even giving you that. Because like Gibson is really good. Yeah. And like can't uh, so that it just uh my point being is New England was in such a bind because of the power run game. They were like, oh, shit, right. what do we do? And yet, when they bunched them in there too much, it was, oh, here you go, tight end four yards from me or back in the flat. And then they were like, oh, fuck, we had everybody in there for Fournette, and they were just on the edge for a three-yard pass that ended up a 12-yard game. You said that, you wrote, just Bortles missed so many open, shallow crosses and so many throws. He didn't get off his first read a lot yeah. that you wrote in your notes. Right. But you also said the Patriots' second-half defense, they changed it up. They did. Double three techniques, mm-hmm. linebacker coming downhill, blunts, blitzing stunts. What was their answer? At halftime, I looked at you and said, what did they do? Yeah. Because they're getting their ass kicked. What right. did they do? They didn't do as much bear. Um, the double three technique, like, so they really have a big gap in the middle of their, like, nobody's on the center. So the and nobody's on the, outside the guard center and guard was completely empty. Completely open. empty. They played like basically two, three techniques. And yes, they were a little more aggressive, what you don't see New England do. New England's usually a let's stand the blocker up and try to read the play and disengage when the play gets by you. In the second half, I felt like they said, like, like a Landon Roberts, if you see the hole, fucking run through it and hit Fournette in the hole. Like, Don't no wait. more waiting. And the same thing with the D lineman. And there was a few times where I feel like they played some single gap defenses and just said, Trey Flowers, like, fake him out, go inside, disrupt the play, like, stop trying to read it on the run. And they did a little bit more of that and created a little more chaos for Jacksonville on the offensive side of the ball. What did Bortles play better or worse than you thought he did on Sunday? Be honest. Yeah. No, I mean, it was probably a hair worse than I thought on Sunday. You know, yeah, what did the film show you? Well, the, the film just shows, again, like I said, the game is managed around just trying to make Bortles adequate, right? I mean, it's, and then I think the other thing that just, you know, of course he missed throws. Not only the wheel to Fournette at the end, sure, there was wheel route in the first drive of the game where TJ Yeldon's going down the middle, the left sideline. If he just throws it out there, he's going to run for a 70-yard touchdown. Um, but it's the other things, too, where he's got tremendous pass protection and he just runs up in the pocket and tries to throw to a shallow cross. And no, just sit there like Brady. Watch Brady. He shuffles in the pocket. You get nobody around you. Like, forget 
that shallow cross that you want to throw to because that's your like comfort zone, it's your little blankie he wants to throw to. But damn, the in cut behind it's going to be a 20-yard gain if you just wait and there's nobody around you to get to you. Those are the little things that I look at and go, man, they had them by the balls, mm. and if they had a quarterback that you can consistently throw with, that New England would have been deep shit. Let's go to New England's offense, Jacksonville's defense. I'm going to read five or six things that Sims wrote that show you what he thinks about this defense. Miles Jack can cover Amendola, no problem. Ramsey over, sh- uh, over slant tackles Hoyer. Holy shit, he's incredible. Pat's running backs are so outclassed, it's hilarious, and they know it too. Red zone, Jacksonville doubles Gronk and funnels the backs. Only Jacksonville can do this. Um, they almost respected New England's wide receivers too much. On the, too much. on the flea flicker, holy fuck, Miles Jack is awesome. 20 and 21 are too good. Play the ball. Last touchdown throw would have been to Cooks, but Ramsey was on him. Anyone else and Brady would have thrown it, and you underlined, I love the Jags. Yeah. So you left this game and just went, holy fuck, their defense is great. I just, I love them. I mean, the only mistake they made, I love watching the Jags. You, you know that. I got my man crushed. The only the mistake I really think they made on the defensive side of the ball is the fact that I, I do think there was a few snaps where I just said, man, Ramsey and Bouye should be up in the face of Chris Hogan and Brandon Cooks. They can't get open against them if, if they, they ran a hundred. They did give a cushion in the fourth quarter. They gave too many. And there was a few other times where Brady threw like some deep comebacks and things like that. And I just want to be like, why? What, what? You shouldn't even give it to them. You, you, they, they really they, were giving it to them. Yeah, they were. They were, They were. were. I think, a little scared of the scheme if New England had something up their sleeve. So they gave them some completions there. Um I don't even know where to start. Miles Jack was so you, unbelievable. You wrote about him more than anybody. He was unbelievable. What he was asked to do, I'm sure he got some negatives in grading and everything because he's asked to cover slot receivers man-to-man, and he was put in positions that literally no linebacker in football could even think about doing, and he did it. Um, but he was amazing. I mean, you know, Jalen Ramsey with me saying like the, the it was the first drive of the game when Brady on the fourth down throws the pick play for the big, they go down, they kick the yes. field goal. So they had the third and two before that. He's got a slant flat to the right. Gronkowski's on the outside and Gibson's on him. Hogan's in the slot. Jalen Ramsey's on him. So Gronk's going to come across and kind of pick him. He's really not. They're really trying to throw the slant, but as the ball snapped, Ramsey sees him, and I think he's afraid I might get picked here, and he goes over the top of it. It's third and two. He's going over the top of a four-yard or five-yard slam. It's slant. like going behind a screen against J.J. Redick. Right. Like, so what he, are you allowing? He goes behind. Brady throws a perfect laser football to Chris Hogan. And when Chris Hogan catches it and turns around, guess who's back? Jalen Ramsey's there. Bam. No yards. I mean, that's the shit that is just mind-blowing to me watching that game. Um, when you finished watching the film of this, yes. were you more or less impressed with Tom Brady? Oh, was I more or less impressed? You were very. I was. I was it. very. Imp- I was very. I don't think it changed me. I think the game was really every bit as good as I thought it was watching on TV. Like uh, he he was phenomenal. There was there was nothing there to be had, and Jacksonville is just so fucking good. It's unreal. Brady saw defenses in this game that I promise you he's never saw. It. He's like, are are they? Are they on the nine-yard line, have no safety in the middle of the field, and they're doubling Gronk, and they're doubling my back out of the backfield, and just going to leave everybody else man-to-man in the end zone? Oh, shit, nobody's open. I'm going to get sacked. I mean, that's how great they are. They could do things. They could play Tom Brady like defenses play Blake Bortles. 
Except this is the Jags, and it's a whole different animal. But Man. yes, it just I really enjoy watching it, and I'm going to stand by my whole 70th quarterback, whatever, and just say that if they get Kirk Cousins next year or a quarterback that can Alex be adequate Smith. from the pocket, they are going to win the Super Bowl. They are going to win it. It's awesome. Yeah. What Kirk date, Cousins. What is today? It is January twenty fourth. Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith. Like you'd be you'd be willing to say that if Alex Smith was under center? Man, I'd be willing to say if they had Mike Glennon, they're going I, to the Super Bowl. I mean, this is my I've been doing the Levitard show every yeah. day. I mean, this is what I'm trying to say to everybody. Like, if they had a semblance of a drop back pass game that scared defenses, they would be unstoppable. Yep. They would be just un- unreal. And they'll uh, have Allen Robinson back. Right. Yeah. Nick, if you got to go, it's cool. Just keep it on this shot. If you got to run, I'm just going to go through iTunes and we'll shut off the recording. Um, all right. So let me just do iTunes reviews. I thought your notes were awesome. I thought your praise, it was all praise for Jacksonville. And I mean, New England did what they had to do. New England just, they just out scheme you. Don't mess up any situations. I mean, just Jack- Jacksonville did everything they could do to win that game. That this really should be the game to really. But people are going to go is go. See, this is the reason you keep Blake Bortles. Look, they almost beat him. No, it's the exact opposite. Everybody has it totally wrong. This is the reason you don't. The game went perfect for you, Jacksonville, and you still lost by four. Like this is why you have to make the change. It couldn't have gone any better. Like this was the exact like here, Jacksonville. If you want to win the game, this has to happen, and it all happened, and they still couldn't do it. So that to me, it's the opposite of what everybody's saying. Everybody's going, well, maybe they got to bring him back now. Look, got him in the AFC Championship game. He's pretty good in that game. No, it's the opposite. They need a quarterback to get them over the hump mm. to win these games when. Maybe they have to play a greatness of a Brady and Belichick again. I really want someone to Photoshop you on top of Mugatu when he's like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> I, the piano key necktie, I invented it. Uh, all right, let's get to iTunes comments. Me, 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 and me and I. Awesome. This is the best football fo- podcast I found this year. It made the season so enjoyable. Great job. Conk7, the podcast is the bar. <laughs> Sims, thank you for gifting us your analysis. Ford, your work Ford, ethic Ford. shows through in every pod. Not only do you provide quality content on a consist- consistent basis, you're entertaining. Lefko, you little flower, you. <laughs> this is my first full year listening to the pod, and, prog- and your progress is astounding. You've gone from charismatic fan to charismatic analyst. Your increased knowledge of the game and statistical research does not go unnoticed. Lefko, congrats on the Eagles' mad love. Sam Conkey, a.k.a. the guy who put Lefko's face on the mush. Hashtag Lefko is no longer the mush. Yeah. Yeah. Eat that. Wide right. Wide right. Give me wide right. Oh, my God. I'm going to lose my shit if that happens. Uh, Eagles confidence rising. This is AAG 1983. Foles just hit Smith for a touchdown on the flea flicker. Ooh. I imagine Lefko is deep into into a tequila bender by now. Love the show, boys. Keep it up. That was a great throw. He played amazing. He did. Um, TJ's back tat. Go Birds. Eagles get revenge. Adam and the rest of us Philly fans are insufferable forever. Go Birds. <laughs> E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Todd C. Comment is called Take My Spleen. Chris's aunt was my Sunday school teacher in the early 90s, so I have no chance but to support this podcast. The combination of Jersey guy and Eagles fan is right up my alley, so I enjoy these guys together. Pay attention, and you might learn something from this former Hmm. NFL quarterback. My aunt. You got an aunt? 
I do got an aunt. Wendy? I would. I mean, Wendy definitely wasn't leading Sunday school. I know my aunt Wendy. I can tell you that. I'm guessing it's my yeah, it's my my uncle's ex-wife Judy Baker. That's what hey, I'm guessing. Hey, JB. <laughs> uh, ball coach 71. This is a good one. From a Division One college football coach to all the listeners out there, these guys are the best in the business. Wow. Really good insight and common sense. They don't get fooled by the numbers. The show is also hilarious, like two guys at a bar sometimes. Keep it up. That's awesome. Who's that guy? What was his name? Well, I investigated. You did? It's Nick Saban. <laughs> he loves it. Wait, what, what type was of paper is this on? What? Max printed it. It's good like paper. tablets. I Damn. feel like it's the Ten Commandments. Yeah, there goes ten oak trees in Brazil. Just Thanks, done. Max. Thanks. Good job. Way to go, Max. Max. Email him the next time like you did me. No, I mean, I'm going to print it out. Do you know why we did this? I'm in Brady's head. These are Giselle's trees. <laughs> Just kidding. That's fucked up. Save the environment. Uh, AOH926, Alec O. Proud to say that I was the one that suggested that you should go on part of my take. Now you're actually doing it, and I'm psyched to listen to it. It's going to be great. You went on because Alec submitted that, right? Spoiler alert, it was. <laughs> great. It was a good interview. Thanks. It, oh, it was. It was. You did great. Thank um you. Now we have some random ones. Stephen Grand, congrats and thanks. First, Adam, as a Vikings fan, let me congratulate you and your Eagles on the Super Bowl berth. Second, I wanted to thank you and Chris for the respect you have shown the Vikings all season. I felt we went overlooked by other national media for the most part. As you can tell from other reviews, you guys do a great job um, and definitely recommend it for an avid fan. I'm hoping to catch you guys at Radio Row at the Mall of America one of the days. What days are you going to be there? Stephen from Minneapolis. We are going to start on Radio Row Tuesday. Correct. We'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, which means we will be having podcasts for you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I guess Saturday. And what we're going to do is we're interviewing at this point like 30 to 40 guys. What day is it? What day are you guys getting in? Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Okay, good. But we're starting on Tuesday. Okay. What but are you guys going to do Monday? I'm fucking chilling. Set yeah. up. Fuck you guys. Yeah, what are you do? doing? I got to I guess I'm I got to do, you know, pro football talk in the morning. I am By the way, Watch Pro Football Tech next week because I am going to get up and I'm making signs and I'm going to go behind Sims. You really should. That's I'm going to be to. awesome. I'm going to write Sims secretly loves Bortles. <laughs> like that'll be my signs. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited to do it. Sad Bucks fan Doug Peterson. Love the show. Known Lefko since he was in Louisville. Wanted to know Sims' thoughts on the game plan by Peterson. It looked like on first and second downs is where the Eagles took their chances, but third is where they asked Foles to hit easy throws and reads such as swing routes, screens, and flats. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the game plan was really perfect. They kept them off balance. I had a hard time going, like, I had a hard time getting a feel for what the Eagles were doing. I sat there, and, you know, that's what I do with every game. I just go, oh, okay, what do I expect here? They've been doing this all game. The RPO thing, the double run calls to both sides, and then really third down, the biggest thing to me, I mean, you, I think I wrote it, like, the, the pass protection was out of this world. I mean, think about some of the third down passes, let go. Like the, you know, even like he's pumping and then he's moving yeah. around and nobody's really near him and then he loads up again to he throw a deep ball. A like I timed a few of the plays. Like I think I wrote it in my notes. There was a the touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey before the half. He had almost six seconds. I mean, my wow. stopwatch went to like 5.87 or whatever it was. I mean, that's unbelievable against the Vikings D. That's crazy. Tom Fay, Pat's Jags reaction. Love the podcast. My kids got me on BR, and I return the favor regarding your podcast. Couple things. Kristen, listen to your dad and Lefko. It's 
Toony, not Thuny. Jesus. Also, Waddle likely out. Cam at right tackle. Lastly, I too respect and admire your boy Aaron Rodgers. However, he's going to be 35 minimum when he gets his second Super Bowl. Probably. Enough with Rodgers over TB12. Oh, and we'll stop the run. Zero doubt. Good luck, Bortles. Lefko totally agree. He'll turn it over. Go, Pats. John Utterman, Bellingham Mass. Well, they didn't stop the run that good. Um, they did <laughs> But, uh, okay. Either way. Um, Two shot at Rodgers. Yeah, that's fine. L- listen, again, you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, again, yes, Tom's awesome. Tom Brady, to me, like, I think the thing that I've come to my mind is he's Derek Jeter. He has the clutch factor that's through the roof, but he's not the greatest shortstop that ever played football. And that's the way I feel about Tom Brady. Is it okay to be Derek Jeter? Because, like, people get mad at me when I say shit like that. Like, you're, you're, No, he's got to be number one. He's got to be the greatest of all time. No, sorry. He's not. Derek Jeter's an amazing comparison. Because he's, he's the same way off the field, that's too. That's just, just to me, what it, that's what it is. That's, I've been thinking about it, and that's what I thought. LeJune Watson, Sims and Lefko. I'm back and still love the podcast. It's been a difficult to listen after the heartbreak of the Saints season. But I kind of want Bortles to ball out and take the Super Bowl with his arm. That would be awesome. I, I Listen, there was a big part of me, of course. I knew I was going to take a lot of shit if Jacksonville yes. got to the Super Bowl because it was going to be indefensible. You know, how He's the, in the Super Bowl. He's got to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Collins 426. Excellent analysis. You always say Devin McCourty doesn't get enough credit. Do you think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for his role in the Pats during this run? Will he get that kind of recognition? You know, I do think he will eventually. I do. I do think he is a Hall of Fame caliber in that conversation safety. I really do. And again, you know, all you can really do in New England is just look, did they pay him? Yes, they paid him. That means they think he's good. I mean, you know, we talked about this last week. Belichick doesn't talk about anybody being good except for the guys that aren't going to be paid or aren't going to be free agents like what did he say what did he say this week uh he said patrick chung is one of the best defensive players in football right the guy that's being paid nothing that's uh probably got another year left on his deal there that's just the way belichick is michael shepherd 10 13 best podcast ever he says we've we opened his eyes to how to watch football a completely new light uh he lives in oklahoma he's a giants fan his dream is to work in an nfl front office one day and hopefully become a gm he wants the giants to trade back with the jets to get more picks uh if quarterbacks go one and two they could get bradley chubb minka fitzpatrick saquon barley quentin nelson thoughts on that we are going to do more of that in draft season let's get through the super bowl first and we're going to literally break down every they don't need bradley chubb i know that they got jpp and Olivier olivia vernon i they need a quarterback just so you out there right there and I'm just saying because I had to do an article yesterday about the quarterback carousel which drove me fucking crazy by Bleacher Report we want to know where all the quarterbacks are free agency hasn't started and the Super Bowl hasn't happened we don't even know who the offensive coordinator is with some of these teams yet but tell us who the quarterback is so I did that and I got into some of the draft shit too I'm just going to tell you the draft is going to be interesting and I think it's going to be they're going to be at least four quarterbacks in the top ten. I really do. When I look at it, I'm just Josh saying that Allen, right now. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. Very much so. And I mean, I mean, I'm not, I mean, there, you could see six quarterbacks in the first round this year. I just think I'm. Who I haven't dove into. Uh, Lamar Jackson's going in the first and then round. Who's the other one? And then the Mason kid from Oklahoma State's going gotcha. to be in the conversation. I haven't dove in. I'm, but I'm just Lamar Jackson's going in the first round. 
I think so, yes. When you can throw and run like that, it's, I mean, as long as he can speak English, then he's going to be playing and uh, he's going to be the first round. If he goes, he's going to go to like the Chargers and sit behind Phillip Rivers for a year. He also asked for any advice for a young gun trying to become a GM eventually. Uh, if you want to be a young gun, you, first of all, the, the hard. He's the, 18. The, yes, 18. All right, buddy. The What's biggest thing path? is the path you need to do, it's hard to get in the door with an NFL franchise. So what you need to be doing from here on out, I know after you go to college and get educated, is that you have to go to senior bowl. You have to go to East-West Shrine Games. You have to go to the Combine, and you're going to have to uh, start networking yourself with NFL coaches, NFL personnel. And I would really say if you get to college, you need to go be a graduate assistant for maybe a good college football team. If it's not a good one, whatever, but still get some experience to at least go, hey, I've been in this football thing, and I know how some of the workings work. And I'm going to pass this along, too. I went through the DMs yesterday for multiple social accounts, and I've, we have dozens of young people saying, I want to be your intern. I want to work for you. I yeah. don't have experience. What can I do? We, this is kind of from Gary Vaynerchuk. Add value. I, I don't control internships here. I'm going to try and figure out some stuff that we can do, but I don't even know if we have internships for this podcast. But when you contact someone and say, teach me. I'm going to tell you, I'm busy as fuck. And I'm not saying no. I'm just saying that when I contacted people when I was a younger person, I provided value. Hey, I went through and I did this, this, and this, and this. And I was wondering if I could pick your brain. Oh, shit, this kid did work for me. I'm going to do that. Hey, I looked up this, this, and this. If you are willing to help people, they'll help you back. But I don't think people realize that when you say, hey, can I have a quick phone call? Hey, can you send me an email? I am spending so much time on work right. that you I don't, have, I don't to, have time to do a 45-minute phone it's call. Like when I, but I yeah, do have time yeah. if someone showed me that they were willing to take time to help me. Right. And that's just life shit. He that's is. Not, it's life. That's not Sims and Lefko, like that's how you get an internship because I'm telling you I don't think we have one. I'm just telling you when you contact people for coaching, broadcasting, don't say, hey, can you tell me if I can have your job? No, provide something to get something back. I agreed. I learned that lesson in New England when I went up there and coached because I wanted to be like, wait, uh, well, offensive coaches, I don't know what this play is. Can somebody tell you? Tell me? And George Gotzi, who was kind of my head you know, boss, the tennis yeah. coach, he would just he threw the big playbook at me. Fucking figure it out yourself. I don't have time to fucking teach you the offense. I know. Like, you got to figure it out yourself. So I'd be like, oh, okay, let me flip through. What do we call this? Nobody taught me New England's offense. I knew some of it through Josh, but the rest of it I just had to learn on the fly. Yeah. And then you provide And then I value. provide the information from there. Right, they two thought more. I was worthless the first two months I was there. Most interns and PAs I mean, they are thought I was the first worthless. fucking two months. Uh, two more. Kansas City and Mahomes here from Zach Attack. Listening since the first episode. Whoa. I love you guys and everything you talk about. Uh, I honestly listen to you guys and then go to another podcast just to see how little the other guys know. I'm a Chiefs fan. I want to know what you think our offense can be like with Mahomes. And also, how do we fix our pathetic D? Oh, man. Your offense. I mean... I think, like, look at Carson Wentz and what he did with the Eagles this year. I think you're going to be similar around there, right? Except that, you know, Mahomes, he has even a bigger arm than Carson Wentz. Mahomes is going to be able to make throws that really, I'm telling you, like only number 12 in Green Bay can make. Uh, I I saw enough of that just in Week 17 in the Broncos game you and I watched, Lefko. I mean, you watched it before I did, and you were like, dude, you're going to see some throws from Mahomes. And I turned on the film, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, he is unreal superstar, and I think that offense with him and Tyreek, Kill and Kelsey yeah. is going to get a lot more vertical. 
defense. They need to get more linebackers. They probably need more depth on the defensive line, yeah. add a pass rusher, even though they had a lot of injuries. And then the secondary, I don't know if it's a scheme thing, but they need to stop playing 10 yards off the ball every time. Yeah, they got to they got to sure up some things on the defense side. They need an overall, I think, hauling of their philosophy a little bit. Last one, this is P. Borda 11. If you want real football talk with excellent humor, this is the pod. I've been a loyal listener since 20. Love the pod more than life itself. They break down football like no one else. Sims, I downloaded part of my take to listen to your segment. You're the fucking man. All those dudes do is joke, and the guys that look at the box score to tell if a player had a good game or not. Way to let them get to. Way to not let them get to you and love how you didn't back down from their BS comments. Sims, I need some advice. I'm heading to Austin for a long weekend in a couple months. I need some wrecks on some good food spots and things to do. We'll start there. Okay, Red Fez. Uh, Red Fez is the old place. I don't know if it's still there. All right, so Fifth Street, you're going to see your more distinguished crowd, maybe not quite as much of the – you're going to see the older college kids and the guys that have just got out of college. A little more fun there, a little more of a mature lady, if you know what I mean. Okay, Sixth Street, you're going to see the true college, like just absolutely debauchery, fucking drunk idiots, everything. It is. It's like a bar playpen. Yes. They're like, if you stay on the street, you're fine. What? You're 17? You can come in our bar and drink. No problem. Um, I think I best brought, restaurant. Our best What's restaurant. What's the best restaurant in okay. Austin? The best restaurant. Go no farther than the airport. Okay. <laughs> yes. Ruby Tuesdays. No, Salt Lick. Salt Lick is the best barbecue in the state of Texas. It's, it's about thirty miles outside of Austin. The real place. It's like at a farm. So if you want to go there, that's awesome. But like I said, it's about a thirty-minute ride outside Austin. But they have a place. At the airport. Nice. And you need to go get the brisket sandwich. Like, you better. You're missing out on life. Before 9-11, I used to drive to the airport to go eat at, at Salt Lake. That's and then amazing. 9-11 happened, and you weren't allowed to go through the right. s- scanning anymore without a ticket. Yeah. But, like, teammates and I would be like, where, where are you guys going? We're going go to the airport. Salt Lake. Final question from him. He's a big Eagles fan. He's hoping Wentz comes back and regains his form. I've heard some people say BS like Wentz is going to turn into RG3. For my own sanity, why do you think Wentz will be fine and won't be like RG3? <laughs> you guys are amazing. Keep killing it. Wentz for MVP. Well, I mean, Wentz has a... Wentz has a good head on his shoulders. I mean, RG3 was, first of all, a very frail, small guy that didn't really want to play within the pocket. He wanted to run first, uh, and he had all the answers in football and the history of the game in his first two years. And Wentz seems to be the most humble guy ever. Yeah, exactly right. And Wentz wants to throw the ball from him in the pocket first. He only gets out and goes when he has to. Now, the thing he has to change is what we've talked about a million times. You just you got to be smarter. He can't just think, like, this is North Dakota State, yeah. and I'm going to smash it up in there anymore. These guys are killers, and they love to hit the quarterback. It's like the greatest thing ever, and he's just got to be a little more cognizant of that. That was a long podcast. It was a good podcast. It might be the longest one ever. <laughs> really? It, I think it, Honestly, it might be. I honestly think that's like the 10th time you said that in the last two months. You're right. well, I agree. Well, listen, we man, are. we're getting fucking pumped. We are getting ready to go to Minneapolis. There's obviously not going to be a betting show this week, so enjoy this pod. You know what? That's why it's so long. We're not doing a betting show tomorrow? No. What are you we're, betting on, the Pro Bowl? <laughs> we're going to be handling that next week. When what we're are we there, doing we're tomorrow? Gonna, are we doing something tomorrow? We'll yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, guys, thank you so much for the iTunes reviews. Thank you so much for everyone that commented on Sims and Lefko. Genuinely, all the people that DM'd me personally, the Instagram account, and said, Adam, congrats on the Eagles. It meant a lot. I appreciate you. Uh, for Chris Sims. Peace out, homies.
For Josh Fendrick. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. Eagles fan. Yeah, and we will be coming at you from Radio Row all next week with unbelievable interviews. I'm so excited to bring it to you guys for now. For Sims and Lefko, we appreciate you, we love you, and we'll talk to you soon.